This episode of the Major Issues Podcast is brought to you by Comic Book Click at tpublic.com. Visit tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click to get exclusive one-of-a-kind merchandise including shirts, stickers, and phone cases all designed by us. Get your hands on the latest and greatest in comic book merchandise by going to tpublic.com slash user slash comic book click. And remember, you, yes you, are worthy. out there in comic book land my name is george serrano aka the don and if you're listening to this you could only be here for one reason and that is a brand new episode of the major issues podcast brought to you by comic book click and as always i'm never alone sir please introduce yourself how's it going guys jonathan escudero here aka yogi jonathan escudero aka yogi is here on the line and we are here to finish our journey our road to death metal with uh, covering the second half of Scott Snyder's Justice League run. Um, Death Metal, first issue, came out uh, in between us shooting both of these episodes. What do you think so far about the direction they're going with uh, Death Metal, Yogi? I loved it. I love Death Metal. It's 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 got a layer of stupidity. Don't get me wrong. But that <laughs> right. very on purpose, it's very much on purpose, uh, it, I, it's kind of, it's bad, it's insane, it's full, dripping full of DC lore, kind of, not to spoil anything, but uh, I loved it. I love the direction they're going, they announced a bunch of tie-ins that sound super interesting, so I'm down for Death Metal. I can't wait to see what comes next. Um, Yeah, you know, it, it. some of those designs and stuff look, you wonder how we even get there, Um, but it kind of reminds me of metal in the sense that I remember early on we had that image of like Batman riding a Joker dragon and it's like it doesn't make sense like like, like what does that come from uh, why does the dragon look like that all those questions um, and then at the end of the story that's exactly what happens he punches a dragon in the face and then he rides it um, so like I'm down like any story that can tell ridiculous details like that and not like wink or you know uh, feel like they have to overly explain it I'm completely down. Um, but we don't even get anywhere close to there without Justice League, without this run here, which I think last we left off, we were talking about um, Albi, right? Um, That's right. We were talking about the connection between like Luthor and um, Martian Manhunter. I don't know. What do you think about that? Anyway, I don't think we got to really hear your opinion. You know, I was I was I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about it more and more with this, and I I still I, I'm a bit of a novice when it comes to comic book history, but I still want to say that I think that um, the one thing besides the road to death metal that this paves is a clear kind of Martian Manhunter story. You know, like thirty nine issues. Um, for the most part, he's put front and center his his struggles his beliefs his doubts in himself um and i i i in recent memory haven't seen anybody put 
John up there, like, you know, put him front and center. But then again, he's been gone for the majority of the new 52. That's right. So, right. So this is the, the first, the, this is the first time me seeing him get this top billing since I would say Morrison's uh, JLA. I think it was JLA. <laughs> where, like I said, you know, you have that storyline where the Martians come back and they're all fake. And it's another weird superhero team that's trying to do some evil, evil madness. And then the furnace storyline. But the idea that that he would be such a big deal, um, he would be somebody that connects the entire um, Justice League through uh, telepathy. Um, those things were started there and then moved over here. Um, and it, I, 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 like I said, initially, I wanted to see more Marshall Hunter in general. I never would have thought that they would have made him the, you know, like, would you call him the main character in this run? But yeah, yeah. I very much. He was very much the viewpoint of the story. You know, uh, it was it was meant to put Martian Manhunter back in the spotlight after being gone for so long. You can feel that with uh, Scott Snyder reintroducing him, and I think it was Metal, right? Uh, and yeah. just kind of having him directly in the center of everything and creating him, uh, making him be the heart of the Justice League for this run. That, I, to my knowledge. Um... If I can remember, it, yeah, he was on Thanagar when all this was going down. They had um, reached out. Remember, Kendra randomly showed up with the Blackhawks. Uh, she um, revealed herself, and then we found out that Martian Manhunter was on Thanagar looking for answers, which goes back to the Hawk World stuff that we were talking about from last week, where he was talking to the Keep. Um, what, how do you feel about the idea that Martians are so integral to the origins of the universe? I mean, I'm down with um, the way that we're bringing Martians back like, because, I, as far as as long as I've been reading, you know, I don't, I, I'm not I'm not like an expert or anything, but I, I don't get too much Martian lore in my in my yeah. reading. It's just kind of you know, Martian Manhunter. They all died, and there were white ones. That's yeah. all I know. You know. And they're kind of treated like primitive aliens regardless, right? Like we see all these other aliens, I guess, like the some uh, members of the Green Lantern Corps, the Guardians themselves, stuff like that. Like on that list, on that totem pole, Martians are kind of down. You know, like they're not, especially when they portray the white ones. Yeah. Like they're just feral monsters. They're just savages. They're not, there's no, there's no there there. So I'm glad, yeah, that they gave him something um, to go with that. And then Lex, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get there, but the entirety of the Apex Lex arc, like Lex surrendering, yeah, being able to surrender himself to something bigger than himself, um, something that we haven't really seen him do, like that was all really cool. And seeing how devoted <laughs> he was to something, you know, him, he's, he's a very selfish and vain and petty character at times. Um, so to see him being so selfless to something else was kind of intriguing. As well. Well, I mean, he's never really, you know, as much as Lex is uh, an arrogant, narcissistic, very, um, he's an asshole, you know, but um, <laughs> right. he he very much has the interest of uh, humanity second in his heart because his own interest is first. So yeah. I'm sure that as much as his whole run was more about like him trying to get power. I really, truly think deep down Lex Lex wants to make things better for just normal humanity. Yeah. And I guess the 
one of the main problems I, uh, with the character, or I guess not a problem with the character, one of the problems the character faces is that maybe he does want, you know, to better mankind, but he often gets lost in the fame or the notoriety oh, yeah. that he would achieve he's by doing so. Sauce. Yeah, so he's like, oh, wow, I, I would get, you know, I would be a god to these people. And it's like, it's not really about this. It's about helping first. <laughs> if you become a god afterwards, that's fine. But, you know, once he saw that statue of himself in that first half that we were talking about, oh, it was that right. drives him. Yeah. That drives him. Like I said, the only tragedy in that timeline being he wasn't able to reap the, the fruits of his labor. And now that he knows how to get there sooner, oh, it's a wrap. Or so he thinks. Or so he thinks. Let's get back to the second half of this story, uh, which starts off with um, a little bit of a talk between Brainiac and Lex Luthor. I've, I freaking hated the art in this issue. I mean, okay. <laughs> Okay, so I don't hate the art. Okay, I, I shouldn't say it that way, but compared to what we had been getting, it felt like right. a step down. We we we've got this anime, whatever issues manga looking issue of Justice League here. But uh, and what, what's the and what's the what's the, do you know if there's a rhyme or reason for the constant shifting of authors? I mean, uh, artists. Yeah, it's it's literally a a matter of time. It's the it's the same reason why James Tinian is the one who writes all the Legion of Doom issues. It's because okay. there's no time for Snyder to do that. <laughs> you okay. know, uh, it, it's the same thing with the artist. Things have to get turned in on time. You know, so instead of having an artist draw the entire run by himself, which is the ideal thing, it, it ends up being the artist gets the issues done which he can get done within a time frame, and other artists are working on subsequent issues at the same time. Yeah, and that's not jarring at all, right? Like, it can be <laughs> jarring, especially when the art styles are so different. But at this point, it's just the nature of comics. So unfortunately for this uh, Pascal Ferry, he, he, I hope <laughs> I didn't butcher his name with my horrible American pronunciation. <laughs> but... um. Unfortunately for him, he ends up being compared to the people who were on before, you know. And Jorge Jimenez is is not a joke. Yeah, and you can, like I said, it's striking because especially if you're reading these all back to back, it's like, oh wait, what the heck? What what happened? Which I guess just like the um, the drowned Earth art that we were talking about last time, um, it kind of separates this issue. Which I guess it probably should be separated in the sense of it where it, it takes place. There are times where I think, like in Drowned Earth, or like we saw in earlier on in Justice League with Jim Chung, where the art is meant to look different in certain situations. Right, right. So you'll have an artist doing a certain set of pages for like a flashback. Right. Or whatever. You definitely have that. Yeah. That artistic... uh almost an artistic license to show that things have changed between yeah. issues. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so the second half of our journey begins with Lex Luthor uh, connecting himself to Brainiac in hopes of freeing Perpetua's mind because they have her body um, in that little thingy. Totality. Uh, this turn- yeah, <laughs> this turns out to be a trick laid out by Brainiac who confesses that he's going to use Luther's body to unlock Perpetua himself and destroy the whole Legion of Doom. Uh, before he can do so, Lex reveals to him the origins of the Knob of Doom, or the piece of the totality. 
Um, and that's what the Navadum is. It's a piece of the totality that landed on Earth. So Vandal Savage procured it and had studied it and had it studied by the smartest people of each generation, learning of the hidden forces and Perpetua. Hoping that technology had advanced to the point that it could help solve the mystery, Savage trusted it with Lionel Luther. And that's how the Luther get the Luthers get mixed up into all of this. Um, Luther manages to locate many of the hidden forces and believed that they were meant to be unlocked if humanity was to reach its full potential, but kept all this knowledge away from Savage. While experimenting with Martians, Lex frees Martian Manhunter and the effects of the failure reach Savage, who reprimands Lionel for keeping secrets. Vandu explains his plans to move Earth out of orbit of the, the totality and away from Doom, and Lionel calls him an idiot. <laughs> he actually calls him an idiot caveman, which I was like, oh, that's messed up. <laughs> that's racist. Yeah, that's timeless and stuff. So Savage erases his memories of all the events uh, and erases his events from human history. To the world, Lionel Luther is a failure and a drunk, and that's how the world will remember him. Uh, Lex is determined to continue his father's forgotten legacy, and although he was all ready to set a trap for Brainiac, knowing he would be betrayed, his new mantra is faith. He manages to fully convince Brainiac that his cold logic isn't what's needed, uh, but full belief in doom is. When he awakens, the two are on the same page, ready to turn the doorknob of doom. So it was just, a, I guess, a loyalty issue, huh? I thought it was pretty interesting to see how they pulled Lex and how they pulled uh, Brainiac into Lex's gravity this way, uh, using kind of this cold machine version of fate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And no, because Brainiac totally represents a part of Luther, as I'm assuming every part of the Legion of Doom does. You know, like Brainiac definitely serves to the ultra planning, ultra logical, ultra unfeeling um, parts of Lex Luther that they're they're shown to be sometimes. So I could see if Luther starts to look like a, a religious zealot for Perpetua, how. Brainiac must be like, yo, you're tripping, you know, like, <laughs> this is, what are you, what are you getting so, uh, caught up about? Like, this is, this should be an open and shut case. I'll just take your body, take all the power and then kill everybody. Like, that's all I'm going to do with this situation. Um, so the fact that, that the fact that Lex is basically admitting to having a loaded gun pointed at Brainiac, but it's not going to pull the trigger out of faith. That's a, it's a, that's usually something a hero does, <laughs> which Another is kind of weird. Another thing, and I, and I don't know if these uh, Justice League the Animated Series connections are on purpose, but the Lex Luthor Brainiac uh, relationship definitely felt reminiscent of what happens. You know, because Brainiac does take Lex Luthor's body in Justice League Unlimited. So I was like, right. uh, and then you already had just a lineup of this team, which is very much the animated series lineup. So I'm like. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I also think it was interesting that, like, they, they, it had to go this way because if not, it runs the risk of going in the same footsteps as that Joker issue, right? Because it's like, oh, I was I was letting you think I was on your side this entire time, and then I caught you with your pants down. And I think if that would have happened twice to Lex, I would have started doubting like his ability to understand the situation. I'll just start doubting Snyder. Because you get this wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh. We're off to the sixth to, dimension. 
Yeah, it's about to get interesting because uh, the next issue sees our heroes meet with Mr. Mixispitalik, which, which I'm going to start calling Mr. Mixie just to make sure I can uh, say it for the rest of this. You hit it. You hit it on the head, though. Mixispitalik. Mr. S- Mixispitalik. Um, so. Uh, Oof. I just want yeah, go- before yeah. we get to the issue, uh, Rob Liefeld did the B cover for this. <laughs> so, yeah. so if you go off when you when, when you go off looking for this issue to read, or you're reading it along with us, or whatever you do, just right. take a second, laugh at it, and, <laughs> and realize, yeah, just go back to Major X or whatever you were doing over there. But in all side. seriousness, even though he absolutely hid everybody's feet, his Wonder yeah. Woman looks decent, right. Which is which is the crowning uh, compliment you should want <laughs> from your variant uh, covers. Uh, so the next, yeah, the next issue sees our heroes meet with Mister Mixer Spitalik for help um, because they figure you know he's a he's a fifth dimensional imp and so he should have some powers that can help turn the tide. But instead of helping them, he animates the buildings of Metropolis and makes them attack the Justice League. But this all proves to be a hallucination created by Martian Manhunter. To show Mixie who's in control. They ask him about the design on Kendra's wings. And he reveals it's a map to the 6th dimension. Or multiverse control room. Where only the most powerful people have access. And where the multiverse was designed and set in motion. The only ones Mixie knew to have traveled there. Were the three brothers. Anti-Monitor, Monitor, and World Forger. And Perpetua. He also knows that. Uh, that's where those beings go when they are destroyed to be reborn again, the sixth dimension. The Justice League inquire about going to the sixth dimension, and Mixie says only Superman can go because Mixie imbued him with some fifth dimension energy years ago that will shield him from its effects. I found that very funny. Like, oh no, I, I injected something in you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I've been doing, I've been adding tolerance to you for years. You have no, you had no idea, but yeah, you're good. You're totally good. Clark uh, ah. is convinced. Go ahead, brother. No, I was just I was just gonna say I'm always I always laugh at the uh, revelation that the entirety of Justice League No Justice was a big mistake, (laughs) (laughs) which you definitely get in this issue. Yes. Um. So Clark is convinced he must go, but Batman is a bit weary. Superman says uh, it'll be fine, and he goes through the door Mixie provides, which leads to a trap where he's on some planet with no sun to be found and surrounded by corpses the justice league await his return but instead a different older looking superman comes out of the door inviting them to visit a timeline he says was the only one in millions that led them to winning in the end the justice league are hesitant but agree and are shocked to find their future selves on the other side this is just another instance where you get to see a different kind of justice league I'm constantly looking at outfits and logos and all this that kind of stuff there. Jorge Jimenez's excuse to play around. <laughs> just right. like, first of all, this entire issue is gorgeous. My goodness. But yes, the designs for that new Justice League, like that Superman, that older six-dimensional Superman or whatever, that thing is beautiful. Yeah. Um, and they don't really explain it, but the Flash is some kind of weird Barry Wally hybrid, right? Yeah. Yeah, they did not explain that at all. They don't talk about it at all, but it's like at one point when they, he's fighting the Flash, he like splits off, and it 
both sides are attacking uh, Barry. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Kinda Crazy cool. to see Superman sitting on top of that mountain of dead Superman, though. Yes, okay. yes. Um, and and that whole the art there and the whole um, the like slow burn of that. Uh, I, I while I was reading this, I realized that my favorite issue in the entire run is issue twenty five, which is the last issue of the six dimensional arc. Um, and we'll get there, but I think that the slow burn of this the ta- like the temptation of Batman and the the deterioration of Superman and all that kind of stuff I thought was really powerful in this six dimension story. Uh so inside the six dimension the Justice League are giving a tour by future Superman of the House of Justice. He tells his visitors that in this future they have defeated Doom um, and he informs them that Perpetua originally created the multiverse to head towards towards Doom because she was a rogue cosmic entity. Uh, and when her sons, the World Forger, Annie Monitor, and Monitor found out, they alerted her peers who trapped her in the source wall and recreated the universe correctly. Future Superman says they must take control of the multiverse away from Perpetua, but says they can talk about that later. Back in Metropolis, Jaro is having a dream where he is Robin to Bruce's Batman. Uh, when he is awakened by Mira and Starman, who stood back. Using Jaro, they find out that Mixie is being ordered around by somebody, but they don't know who. In the sixth dimension, Martian Manhunter, Martian Manhunter and Kendra see their older selves, who have become a couple, and have a child named Shane? Shane. Yeah, Shane. it's just Shane, right? Shane. 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 Is there like a... Uh, <laughs> There's no like hyphen or split like John Jones, so I've just been saying Shane. I just feel like the, the I see the Y and I feel like I have to overpronounce it. Shane. I think it's just Shane. 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 <laughs> Shane. Well, Wait, I have an accent every time I do it. Shane. Shane. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the leaguers. Oh, so let's talk about let's talk about Shane. How did you feel about like oh, and this is your son. I mean, if I'm Martian Manhunter and Kendra and I'm already feeling a little flirty and then you go to the future and you see you have a kid, it, well, what you think is the future and you see you have a kid, it's like, well, it, it might ruin the moment. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Give you a spoiler alert. But um, as a fan, and it's basically John Jones with wings, right? Yeah, that's all it is. Which, which <laughs> I was thinking, first of all, like, there's a weird mix of species and biology. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know necessarily if the wings are in Kendra's biology. I honestly don't because because Kendra is okay. So <laughs> Kendra Themyscira. Kendra what? Kendra as Kendra Saunders because like is every incarnation of Hulk woman Themyscira because we've seen now that she exists side by side with Shayara. You mean Dana Dana Gary? Oh, I keep saying Themyscira. Oh my god! Yeah, I was I was like, wait, when, when does this happen? Is <laughs> Kendra Themyscira? I think that's where it starts. The legend, right? She that that's her origin, and I guess maybe she was I feel like it somehow it, it hundreds of years ago, even further back than that. But yeah. uh, I was just only asking because if Shayara is usually the one that's uh, associated with that Thanagarian culture or whatever, and it's never usually Kendra, so I was like, is she even Thanagarian? But I guess the baby with wings proves that she is. <laughs> the baby with wings, little 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 Shang. <laughs> uh, so yeah, some of the leaguers go to the control tower and see the, that the Justice League oversees rebuilding the actual multiverse in the future. 
they are tasked with that uh, responsibility. Future Wonder Woman gives Diana a tour, and Batman speaks to future Batman and Superman. Future Batman is revealed to be Dick Grayson, as Bruce, in that timeline, sacrifices his life so they could win the war against Doom. I think it's around this time where I'm like, okay, what's up? You know, because they're like, they keep saying like, oh, you know, Batman, you just gave yourself up for the greater good and all that kind of stuff. But I'm like, I don't sound like, I like, Bruce is sacrificial, but he wouldn't just, you know, for the whole war, like something's up here. I, I didn't, I didn't trust the events that were going on. <laughs> were you, did you uh, think that they were on the up and up or? I kind of knew because, you know, you know, from the get that it's not future Superman. So you, yeah. you, you're already kind of suspicious of them. So you're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. And then Shane shows uh, Shara and John, I mean, uh, Kendra and John, whatever is really going on. And they're all like, oh, no, it can't be. So it's, it's literally like Guardians of the Galaxy where he's like, like, everything's fine. They can introduce them to Shane, just like they introduced the Mantis. And then later on, Mantis is like, Oh guys, you guys gotta get the hell out of here! Like this is not what you think it is. Yeah. Trust me, let me show you. And yeah, he shows them. He shows them what's really going on, but we don't get to see anything. Um, and then we see Brainiac talk to Luther, saying that uh, Mixie's too uncontrollable. But Lex has a backup plan in the form of Batmite, which isn't explained. They just show his symbol. Um, as Superman tries valiantly to escape his dark confinement. The man who is portraying himself as future Superman shows up. Uh, Superman tries to fight this imposter, but it's quickly tossed aside. I saw how um, popular those pages were, where he like twists Clark's wrist <laughs> and just <laughs> throws him down to the ground. <laughs> I was like, that looks pretty damn cool. Uh, future Soups says that he has done this song and dance with Clark many times and there's not enough light in the pocket dimension he is trapped in to fly away stating if he tries he'll just float into space and I was like damn that's depressing like oh my god like <laughs> thinking you get out of the orbit of the planet and then you, you're just stuck out there floating forever um, future Superman also says that he's preventing the one man who dooms the Justice League in every iteration of the Great War uh, and making sure it doesn't happen again Superman Back in the sixth dimension, Martian Manhunter calls a psychic meeting for the Justice League and tries to explain what Shane told them when Future Superman shows up and disrupts everything. He reveals himself to be the World Forger, one of the three sons of Perpetua, declaring the one future where they win is the one where they replace their multiverse with the one that they're currently inhabiting right now. In all timelines, Lex calls for the residents of the multiverse to join him in Doom which proves to be the tipping point of the war. In order to win, the Justice League must imprison or destroy anyone convicted of even thinking of siding with Doom. According to the Forger, that's the only way to win. The League outright refuses, but Batman is considering it to the surprise of many. It doesn't matter because the League declines the offer and is transported to where they keep criminals. Apocalypse. And they bump into the head of security, Lois Lane. On Earth... Mixie is getting out of control and threatens to unimagine Earth as we know it. So how do you feel about this World Forger reveal? And this is the first time we actually see him, don't we? I know he was mentioned many times in Metal, but I don't think we've actually Yeah, we got to see like a shadow version of him, but I thought this was great. First of all, his design is beautiful. Again, Jorge Mendes. Dude, dude yeah. uh, draws it as good as he looks. Uh, yeah. He... he 
I'm interested in the I like again, it's the classic Scott Snyder trope. It's been there all along. The were forger, yet another. It's been there all along thing. It's uh, yeah. I'm interested in always seeing how Scott Snyder tends to weave and fit these things into DC history. So uh, <laughs> the were forger being the monitor and the any monitor's brother at first, and their mother perpetual at first. I'm like, oh, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not. I'm not liking the direction of this because they're supposed to be like celestial beings. So for them to have these kind of familial relationships, I was like, ah, oh, this is strange. But um, we I, I end up liking it, so we'll get we'll get there. Um, but that's we were talking about this a little bit, you know, this introduction of of levels uh, of these uh, beings or these entities. Um, you know, the the we're gonna get a little bit into it when they talk about the history of the you know the brothers three and Perpetua. But this idea that you know when we look back at Christ on Infinite Earths. You know, that seems to be a humongous war between the anti-monitor and the monitor, but they're just two pawns in the humongous scheme by Perpetua, who is just one of many of these entities. So we're showing, you know, the universe is expanding. Literally, as the source wall is broken, we are, the, the world's getting bigger. And we're finding out about bigger threats and bigger entities and more powerful entities um, than we've ever seen. Because again, we thought the monitor and the anti-monitor was the be-all, end-all. And then you find out about things like this, and it's like, wow. Uh, so the next issue opens up with the Legion of Doom uh, coming to stop Mixie using Batmite, another fifth-dimensional imp. While this is taking place, Perpetua awakens from her slumber, although she's still confined. She is pleased that the Legion of Doom are using Doom to fight Mixie and recall creating her sons at the beginning of the multiverse. So this is that backstory. Um, she created her sons, the monitor, uh, to to monitor the three realms of the brand new multiverse she created. Alpheus, the world forger, is placed in the dark where he can create and destroy worlds. Marnovu, the monitor, is put in charge of the worlds that Alpheus places in the orrery, where he will develop them and protect them from crises. I always try to pronounce that right. While Mobius, the anti-monitor, guards the boundaries of creation, keeping them free of life. Birth, life, and death. Five billion years later, Marnovu spots something and brings it to the attention of the forger, who introduces him to his new pet, Barbatos, which I was like, I popped for that. I was like, okay, yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Say hello, uh, Barbatos. <laughs> yes. And but uh, Babatos is his pet who consumes the multiverses. Oh, sorry, the universes, not meant for the multiverse, which is the dark multiverse and all, all that that follows. What Marnovu spots is Earth, where Perpetua has created an abomination of a species, hoping to make the ultimate apex predators. She has combined human and Martians in order to build an army. The army will serve as her defense as her kind will inevitably hunt her down for going rogue and refusing to move on to another multiverse. Her kind believes in harmony, and if they saw her hybrid children, they would destroy them and her for breaking the rules. She knows this, and she's hoping to grow her army throughout the multiverse as a defense for when that day comes. Novu convinces his brothers to alert the judges of the source who trap her uh, in the source wall for her treachery which causes a rivalry between Novu and Mobius as he no longer has a role because the source wall creates 
the boundary that he was supposed to oversee. I liked that little added extra. Like they've trapped her. And then he's like, okay, so what am I supposed to do now? And they're like, uh, and he's like, you know what? Screw you guys. And basically bounces off. I do, I do like that they, sh- they, they instead of just kind of leaving us to imagine what would have led to them fighting so hard that Crisis on Infinite Earths happened, that we kind of yeah. did leave a, a tiny little bit of animosity. Yeah, he he got cheated out of the whole thing. Everybody gets a place to rule, and he's still screwed. So yeah, um, I, I can you explain to me why um, Mobius looks different than the the anti-monitor that we see terrorizing uh, like in crisis and why the eventually goes back to that design later on in the comic. Am I missing something? It's, it's just, he's just missing his helmet. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's the big round, uh, half circle helmet, which is, yeah. Weird. Yeah. Cause right. under, under there, he just withered and, and covered in like tubes and stuff. Yeah. Basically that's it. That's okay. exactly it. Okay. I thought it was the same. I think you see him more without his helmet and, um, that Dark Side War. But, yeah, I actually didn't like the way he looked in Dark Side War. <laughs> right, no, I agree. I, agree. Um, I don't know if it's now, but I think they also... Oh, no, it's when they go to go find him that they mentioned that in Metal, if you can remember, Marnovu was being trapped by the Batman Who Laughs. Remember? And they were using That's his right. power to, That's right. with, with the uh, tuning fork and all that kind of stuff to plunge the Earth into the Dark Multiverse. So they've been using these... Like, that guy's exhausted. Uh, Marnovu, he's over it. Uh, this rivalry will be the first of many crises that befell the DC universe, but definitely not the last. As Perpetua feels the world turning towards doom. Um, our next issue opens with Superman recalling a moment he had with his son as he desperately tries to escape his dark trap. I just want to say too that that particular issue we just covered, the birth of the multiverse. That's like one of my favorites. That that one, and then the we'll get to it. How open are you to new lore? To new, if it works, I'm like down. Do, do, do you cross your arms at first, like you know, trying to test it out in in what you remember of the world, or are you? Is it all fair if, game? If you can make it fit with what I already know, then yeah. I'm open to it. It's when you start kind of moving things around that didn't need to be moved. That's when I that's when I cross my arms and I'm like I'm not down for this at all. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I see happen sometimes when they do this is they try to say that certain events that seem like happenstance are faded. Yeah. You know, they'll say like oh this was always meant to happen and it's like oh you're kind of taking away from the spontaneity of it if it was yeah. always meant to happen. Um but this feels more lived in. Like I said uh Somehow, Snyder, just like with Court of Owls, he manages to create a new villain, but that one that feels like they've lived in the DC universe this entire time. But to do so, you have to answer a lot of questions. <laughs> and I think he's ready. I think he answers the questions before you think about them. And that's what makes a good writer. Uh, so our next issue opens up with Superman recalling a moment he had with his son as he desperately tries to escape his dark trap. And those moments are beautiful. Like these issues are opening up with these like really uh, beautiful and sunny uh, memories with him and John uh, talking about starting these fires for lanterns um, in the neighborhood. And John wants to cheat and uses uh, heat vision and Superman's not letting him. Um, and then you see, like Superman just trying desperately and, and getting skinnier and skinnier. And he manages to get 
to jump high enough to get enough uh, energy that like he shatters the planet behind him, but he still seems to be stuck in this whole thing. As the Justice League is apprehended by Lois and her guards, Batman accepts the Forger's offer. Uh, when Mixie unimagines the fabric of the Earth, Forger will strike the Crisis Anvil and the life forces of everyone on Earth will be transferred to their future versions like an upgrade. To accomplish this, future Batman must ensure Superman's death. The Justice League are broken out of prison by Shane, <laughs> but the destruction frees the other villains. All seems lost until a ship arrives asking the Justice League to get on, and it's the future Legion of Doom with Darkseid of all people, saying they're helping them because time changes things. The issue ends with Batman apologizing to Superman for what must be done and saying goodbye as Batman moves a son further away from him, essentially dooming him. Future Legion of Doom confesses that what Lex is up to is too evil even for them to be down with and that the need to uh, help the Justice League get back to the Forger. Oh, they need to help the Justice League get back before the Forger hits his anvil. Um, how'd you think about uh, future Legion of Doom? Bald, Sinestro, One-Eyed, Cheetah? I thought that was actually pretty cool. I, I'm a fan, of, again, I'm a fan of time travel, alternate versions of people. Um, but uh, <laughs> I kind of started to think about what this quote-unquote sixth dimension actually is and and the way the world forger explained it it is just like a lived in actual world where all these things happened and he just wants to replace our multiverse with his yeah possibility right so uh, they talk about it being a world of possibility and they talk about shane being a being of possibility so i guess that's what the sixth dimension is all possibility uh, yeah, I was saying that <laughs> I was saying that the thing makes no sense at all because I didn't know if it implied that he created a new multiverse and it like existed and evolved into the moment in time that it was when we saw it. Right. Which so is, that, is a bit confusing. That doesn't, like you said, that part doesn't really make any sense. It definitely doesn't. <laughs> yeah, that's just a question that I was left with. My gosh. Uh, so the Justice League and the Legion of Doom are being chased through space by Lois and Jimmy Olsen, who find a way to replicate and weaponize the stasis tech from young Cal El's ship and have built Krypton cradles, ships capable of tar rendering targets unconscious. Uh, the Forger shows Batman a sunbox, a device that Batman has built, and explains to him that he builds a suit to end the war. The Legion of Doom tell the Justice League the opposite, that the suit brings with it all destruction. Lois and her army are closing in on the team of heroes and villains, but they decide to shoot the Justice League into the portal that will take them back to the future Hall of Justice because there isn't time for everyone to make it. The Legion of Doom says sweet farewells, shoot the Justice League through the portal, and turn their ship around pulling a holdo maneuver, uh, which I was surprised by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when when the Justice League arrive in front of the Forger, he tells them it's too late. Batman has made the suit, and out steps Batman in a huge futuristic armor, and all seems lost. What do you think about the whole Batman part of this? The sunbox, him being part of um, ending this war, and I guess it's a lot of it's kind of uh, like they, what the idea they played around with in Witcher Soldier, which is if you can, and Minority Report probably more famously. <laughs> Which is if you can catch people before they commit the crime, uh, you can stop crime. And so 
the forger saying if they can stop people before they side with doom then they will have nobody to worry about but that takes away the free choice of individuals uh which is why the justice league won't stand for it but what do you think about batman's new suit the sun box and all that the suit looks awesome uh, the idea that the world forger would play to batman's more logical side of thinking totally makes sense Technically, I guess the yeah. World Forger created them all anyway, so he wouldn't know. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was definitely pretty. What, what, do you, what, what do you think of the What do you think of the capabilities of this sunbox? I thought that if anybody could create something like a sunbox, it would one hundred percent be Batman. <laughs> so that yeah. was. Uh, I, yeah. I, I I mean. <laughs> I didn't have any real problems with it. I thought that was a. I thought that was all. I thought that was great. <laughs> I wonder if it, if that's telling for the future. Like, I wonder should we be looking out for sunboxes in the future? Batman's I'm sure ability that, I'm to sure that somebody is going to grasp onto this now as a child and be like, I can't wait to write this in the future. Right. Sunboxes. Sunbox. Speaking of suns. Uh, Superman recalls having to try, I mean, sorry, recalls trying to start a fire by hand at the request of his father, Pa Kent, uh, just like he asked his son John to do the same. Both children grew frustrated as their parents taught them lessons on not giving up and working hard for what they believe in. We see Superman and his body incredibly weakened. Oh, I think this is the, yes, this is my favorite issue of Justice League. It is, 25. Okay, so, number 25. Uh, we see Superman and his body increasingly weakened and near death in the dark sector with little to no hope. Back in the sixth dimension, the Justice League fight their future selves and Batman shows up in the sunbox suit, making him the Sun Knight. The box that powers the suit can rewrite minds and the Forger demands Batman use it, but Batman convinces him that he can get through to the Justice League on his own. This is all a plan to stall, however, because he moved the suns into Clark's path in the dark sector, Clark soaks up the rays before flying directly into each one of the suns, regaining enough speed, power, and energy to escape. He flies straight for the World Forger, punching him in the face <laughs> before he can hit the Crisis Anvil. Um, I, I believe that's when we have that beautiful shot of the generations of uh, Kent. It's uh, and, uh it's John, Jonathan. Yeah, it's a. It's. I was gonna say it's a direct reference to uh, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> the uh, yeah, father have son they have Jimenez. they have they admitted to that yet? Yeah, George Jimenez, uh, Jorge Jimenez actually got on his Instagram like immediately when the issue came out, and he was like, "This is one of the things that inspired me as a child, and I'm so glad that I was able to pay homage to this moment." And it was a yeah, beautiful. his artwork is absolutely gorgeous. And then that that panel there, I was just like, man, that so flawless. Is- wallpaper poster worthy stuff right there um i miss john so much who draws who draws superman who drew for superman um rebirth oh, at first it was to, um you remember patrick gleason but jorge Jimenez did the super sons book so right he, yeah his jonathan kent is almost like his i think he's drawn jonathan kent more than anybody yeah he's on point Oh, I miss Jonathan Kent. <laughs> uh, so Superman saved things by punching it, as he as he does. Um, instead of continuing to fight, Superman invites the World Forger to join the Justice League. 
hoping that the unseen um, union of the two can be what turns the tides in the war. Forger agrees, and he travels back to Earth Prime with Shane, Martian Manhunter, and, uh, oh, sorry, with Martian Manhunter, sorry, with Shane, Martian Manhunter, and Hawkgirl's son. <laughs> so basically, the only two people to come back from the sixth dimension to the actual Earth are the World Forger and Shane in this instance. Uh, so we got, okay, they are briefed by Starman and Mera, and it's bad. While the League spent a week in the sixth dimension the legion the legion of doom saved the world from mixie and told the citizens of earth about breaking about the breaking of the source wall and the near death of the universe and they said that the Justice league had lied to them lex himself asks earth villains to indulge themselves in these last days and not fight their inner nature he also says he's dissolving lex corp and giving away all his money his plan is to arm the old and new villains of the world to create a world of doom we also he also uses Brainiac's tech to search Amanda Waller's mind for the worst of the worst. And when they approach him to apprehend him, he seemingly dies in an explosion at Lex Tower. The Justice League decide on three methods to stop Doom from spreading. One is unite all three sons of Perpetua. The second is to have Starman tap into his multiversal powers to contact reinforcements. And the third is to build up the Justice League on Earth by expanding its membership. Meanwhile, Lex steps out of a tank having committed some experiment on himself. He tells Brainiac to get the drones ready as he hopes to send gifts and offerings to the villains of Earth, ramping up his army for the inevitable Justice Doom War. Let me let me just Great see. issue. Let me say this. Uh great issue. Wonderful moments that you can hold on to forever. Uh, uh so this issue spawns a summer long year of the villain i don't even want to call it an event i don't even want to call it a crossover because i don't know what it was supposed to be it's just a, <laughs> a month i think it was too far reaching i think it was too it was too big like what are you not nothing there were no, there were so many books okay so every single title that dc puts out had one year of the villain issue okay um I guess the covers were fancy, uh, stupid. They were acetate, quote unquote. You, 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 you see through the cover, so when you open it, it's a different picture. Stupid. It's a whole fucking. It's a whole huh. gimmick. Uh, <laughs> um, right. None of the stories connected, really. I think the only one of any importance was Batman Superman, and they, right. you kind of screwed that book because now the whole premise of the first arc is the Batman who laughs stuff to leads into metal but after that's done nobody wants to read the book anyway poor Josh Williamson but I think right. the whole year of the villain thing was stupidly just just so I it was so poorly done I re I remember looking at the reading order for this because I had put uh this book down for a while to do other stuff on the you know for comic book click and stuff and I I just remembered looking at the list of uh, of uh, issues going. I wouldn't. I can never read all this. Like this is, this is a lot. I, I want to follow. I did read all of Batman uh, and Superman. I did read the Batman Who Last comic. I, I am plugged into those other um you know books that continue the the story. I read um what the first Hell Arisen, uh stuff like that. But then all that other stuff seems way bigger. And there's a moment where uh perpetua shows 
um, Lex Luthor like an updated version of the Justice League. And I'm assuming that the reason why so many people look different is because of the offerings that they were given. But I have no frame of reference. <laughs> so like Harley looks all metaled out. Um, Lobo's huge. Black Mask is like a steel um, or some sort of metal uh, mask. And I'm assuming those are upgrades from Lex to join the side of Doom. But I don't I don't know because <laughs> I've never read any of those Year of the Villain ones. A lot of those uh, Year of the Villain books were not even connected in any way. They just had Year of the Villain on the cover. Right. That's garbage. That's garbage. Um, what I like, though, I, and I feel like it's happened before, but I did like the whole fact like the, the Justice League comes back and they're like, oh, no, guys. Yeah, they saved the day. Like the Legion of Doom saved the day. And they came out and told everybody you were liars. Like you guys took way too long to come back. <laughs> I, thought that, I thought it was cool for them to come back to a world that's changed in such a quick amount of time. And maybe that should have been the indicator that the world is um, naturally inclined to, to, to head towards doom. You know, maybe that was the first indicator that we should have took as a warning. But um, this next issue is pretty short. With uh, Lex seemingly dead and the Justice League uh, dealing with the effects of his offer across the globe, the civil unrest continues. John, not believing Luther dead, has disappeared for a few days looking for any sign of him. Superman makes an impassioned plea at the Hall of Heroes to the heroes of the multiverse asking to help stop Perpetua. Everyone agrees and the World Forger explains the first step is to find his brothers. Outside of the Hall of Justice, Mira and Kendra talk about their fears of the upcoming battles. Uh, as we are shown how big the Justice League has grown. Kendrick is extremely angry with John, who has seemingly disappeared when they need him the most. When we do see John, he has found the childhood home of Lex Luthor and inside an angry Lionel ready to strike. Uh, as much as Jorge Jimenez impresses me, he actually let me down here. Uh, Was we... it the Hall of Heroes? Was it all the heroes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the Hall of Heroes. We get all these wild multiversal cameos which is it's really just everybody from grant morrison's multiversity let's not kid ourselves right but um yeah <laughs> and he kind of uh i don't want to say he 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 uh skated here he kind of phoned it in phoned it, it in. in it felt like it it felt like he phoned it in but not i know not everybody is george perez you know not everybody can fit 500 characters in a splash page but 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 just like I said, you know, I just sum, I just summarized it, and it, the summary is pretty short. As yeah, is, I think the I think the issue before, prior was incredibly dense, and while this one does move the plot along, I, you know, I could see them everyone kind of taking a, a breather with this one. This you know? one was more about the art, anyway, because just like you said, the issue feels short, right? Because you read it reads short, but this one was more meant to yeah. be looked at. It was all these every yeah. many many times, okay. Uh, <laughs> And what and what it wasn't always it wasn't always it wasn't always him because the only time it was him. Oh, <laughs> actually, now I feel bad. I feel like but you're right. There's supposed to be there should be more. <laughs> but I'm saying there, there should be him more at quiet all. moments like the ones we see. Oh, who was it? It was uh, Javier Fernandez, a villain. The villain guy ruined uh, my okay. life, and I blamed Jorge. Well, that's what that, that that's what exactly what you're talking about though. Uh, uh, 
a literal revelation right here on the podcast, but this is what we're talking about. Like in an issue, all of a sudden things change and we don't know why or, you know, rhyme or reason as to why, but it's like you said, uh, deadlines and all of a sudden somebody else takes over the comic and it doesn't look how you, you're used to seeing it anymore. Ugly. Um, John goes to, to Luther's house. What's that about? He's just that hell bent on finding him. <laughs> I, 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 he is a manhunter, right? <laughs> I guess taking it back to that, but, um, I am a bit confused because, okay, so he had that encounter wiped from his memory, John? Because I, I, yeah, I, I, the, the first encounter where he got kidnapped from Mars and, and by Lionel Luther and everything, like that was wiped from his memory yeah. or was it? I don't remember. I don't remember that. So I, I, and, and um, I, hmm. I, I don't. That was just a question that I, it might just be me not paying attention. I just don't remember whether or not he had his memory wiped of the moment. And uh, same for Lex. Oh, yeah. No, he totally did. Uh, uh, Luther did. Uh, I don't know about Lex. Maybe Lex, it was a bit of a like a traumatizing moment or something. No, Lionel, Lionel got had wiped. his mind wiped. Lionel got wiped. Yeah. Lionel for sure, because then that's how he went on to be known, right? That's the explanation for why we always thought he was stupid and drunk. But I'm more wondering about Lex right. and Marshall Manhunter. Like, why would they not have known this up until now? That, no, that's interesting. But I thought you, what you were referencing was the fact that Lionel strikes at John at the end of that comic. And how would how or why would he if he doesn't remember? But that ultimately ends up being revealed to be that that's not Lionel. Yeah, yeah, that that so, that was explained away really easy, really uh, really fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. There there seems to be a a uh, gap in memory here um, because that whole revelation, the whole I'll be revelation, is a huge one. And that one is seemingly found out at the same time by both men, or at least revealed at the same time by both men, uh, meaning that they went this entirety of life without ever mentioning it or, you know, feeling that they need to discuss it or any of that stuff. So uh, so the next issue, John wakes up from a dream, recounting being experimented by Lionel while Lex looked on. When he awakes, he's indeed contained in a tube with Lionel by the controls. Martian Manhunter changes his density and literally pours out of the control apparatus. And when he goes to grab Lionel, it is revealed that he's a robot. I thought it was incredibly cool to see him ooze out of the <laughs> control panel. Like literally just make his entire body into liquid, go through the, the machine and out of the control panel. That's definitely uh, a disturbing visual. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but same, same thing with this. There's a lot of people's faces being ripped open and revealed to being uh, robots. <laughs> but in this one, last time it was Luther. In this one, it's um, Lionel's a robot. The robot self-destructs, and, it's, and in its fiery place stands Amazo, the power-replicating android weapon of Professor Ivo. Um, in a place called Nil, the rest of the Justice League join the World Forger in looking for Marnovu. They find him and convince him to help the Justice League save the multiverse, although he says convincing the Anti-Monitor will not be easy. Back with Ivo, Martian Manhunter is strapped to a medical table and is being tested on by the evil doctor who lent his services to Legion of Doom in exchange for Lionel Luther's notes on creating Apex Predators. 
human hybrids that can wield all seven hidden forces. He tries to gloat, but Hulk Girl flies in and with one swing of her nth metal mace smashes the head of Amazo. John thanks Hulk Girl, but the party isn't over because there are many more Amazo bots. Back at the Hall of Justice, Shane has an existential crisis about being in this timeline. <laughs> I was like, poor kid. <laughs> but Starman gives him a pep talk and asks him for help. He's like, I don't even exist here. Those are, are They're not even in love, let alone being my parents. I'm like, ah, oh, poor thing. Uh, but, but, but they, yeah. Uh, Hawker and Marshmallow Hunter continue to fight the Amazobots, who are incomplete and therefore less of a challenge. They uncover Ivo's hundreds of apex predators, half Martian, half human, but all incomplete before John lets his anger get the better of him and he destroys robot Ivo. Afterwards, the two leaguers argue outside and a drone shows up and projects a holographic Lex Luthor, proving his survival. The hollow Lex de- delivers an offer Martian Manhunter can't refuse. He's willing to give John Lex Luthor. Dun dun dun. I, that Amazo stuff was kind of filler. <laughs> uh, the Amazo stuff was filler, but the monitor stuff was not. That was heavy. No. I wish that yeah, someone better would have drawn that. But um, I, 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 I like. <laughs> I, I'm glad to finally get an explanation about how Marnovu was back to being Marnovu because um, it, when you read Final Crisis, you kind of the, the the idea there by Grant Morrison was that uh, the, the Monitor was now 52 different beings and Marnovu was only one of them, right. and there's one for every Earth or whatever. And then during Multiversity, you still have the kind of weird young hip Marnovu running around, so. <laughs> I was happy to finally see um, all these crises. First of all, get spoken about within as in as within one context again. It's very refreshing after New Fifty Two. Uh, I've still got like, yeah. New, I, um, after Final Crisis, the the next time you don't see him is is it until what metal or no multiversity? Oh, I mean not not metal. Um, was he he wasn't he in the Dark Side War? Uh, you see the anti-monitor in Dark Side War, but the monitor was in Multiversity. Okay. Yeah, he was in, uh, he was in Multiversity. You got to see the, he, him fight the Gendry, as we were warned not to read a comic right. that was sentient or whatever the case was. Strange stuff by Grant Morrison. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah. 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 So the monitor. and sentient comics. You got the monitor and the world forger as members of the Justice League. These are card-carrying Justice League members now. That's insane. Yeah, and I love how they both both moments are kind of similar, where they're like, uh, there's nothing we can do. And they're like, well, I guess you could join the team. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess. Uh, you know, like, like, they, like none, neither one already. considered joining the team. Neither one that was that was even in their wheelhouse. And so when they're both approached with the, with the guy, you know, with the handout, like Superman, they're like, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, we could try this. So that's that's interesting there too. Um, Lex Luthor plans a parlay between him and John, and John ventures to the American Southwest to meet him alongside Hawk Girl. Once there, Lex demands that he put Hawk Girl to sleep or risk never being in contact again. Martian Manhunter concedes, puts Kendra to sleep, and a door opens up, and he's welcomed inside by a cloaked Lex Luthor. Lex exchanges pleasantries and says they have much work to do. On Quard, the Justice League and the Forger arrive to seek the Anti-Monitor's help. 
they seem to be too late as the message is written in the ground that says, do not follow me. Back with Lex, Luther reveals his plans to Martian Manhunter. He is sending his drones to find the worst of the worst and is offering them to side with Doom in exchange for gifts. He says that Martian Manhunter has only spared his life out of some sick duty to save Luther for his own selfish reasons. Seeing him in the light, John says Perpetua has corrupted him, and we see a more alien-like Luther laugh beneath his cloak, his black eyes unhinged. Luther asks him one more time to join his fight towards Doom so they can be predators together. John calls him insane, so Luther disrupts his molecules, and Martian Manhunter can't seem to get them together. Kendra awakens and tries to attack Luther, but he puts up a shield and seemingly absorbs John into his body. Am I getting that right? That's what happened. He has like he has like these valves on his suit that seemingly just take Martian Manhunter in. That's what happened. Uh, He's the apex Lex. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, snap. Apex Lex. Uh, the Legion of Doom descend on the Justice League on Quard, but they leave to fight another day. Elsewhere, Starman using Shane has seen the end of it all. Kendra shouts at Luther, and Lex shows off his completed form. Half Lex, half Manhunter, the Apex Lex. He tells them to bring it on. I thought uh, Javier Fernandez actually did a great job here, which is not like which is sucks compared to when I wanted him to do a great job. But um, <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, pretty pretty run of the mill stuff here. We get the plot moving forward, so that was cool. Uh, Lex Apex Lex. What do you what do you think of Apex Lex? I think it's definitely a a choice. Like it's definitely like in the same. Vain, like you may not love Red Sun Superman, but Superman is better for Red Sun existing, like to add to the lore. Um, I feel like this just adds to Lex Luthor's lore. It's not my favorite thing, but I do like the logical, pragmatic person, uh, becoming this crazed, like I said again, zealot almost. Like this perpetual and doom stuff for him is kind of like a religion, fate and destiny, and surrendering and being a martyr. And all this, like this is not how Lex talks. Like Lex doesn't think about anything bigger than himself. So, um, the idea that he will become an acolyte almost uh, is crazy. And what I liked in this issue was the slow reveal of his form, where you just see him like kind of cloaked and kind a little bit of his eyes here and stuff like that. But when you see him, he looks unhinged. He does. He does. He looks like a monster, and um, it, it's kind of short lived. Uh, it's not. It's not in this. It's not even in the entire Justice League run that he gets his powers taken away, isn't it? In one of those like Hell Arisen books. Yeah, it happens in Hell Arisen because Hell Arisen is kind of like the little bridge between Justice League and Metal and um, <clears throat> Death Metal. Right, and it's one. It's in one of those books that he gets his powers stripped or whatever. Yeah, it's in Hell Arisen, I believe. It's in Hell Arisen where she throws okay. him. Well, I guess we'll get to that because we have to talk about that at the end of this, like just fast. Yeah, but um, yeah, to cap it off, I thought that as the the this is kind of I guess what they've been building towards since No Justice between Lex and John, and yeah. I almost feel like, and like you said, it ends up being short lived, and it almost doesn't matter. 
<laughs> kind of, sort of, yeah. So, like, you built to this for so long, and then it ends up being, like, it's just a cool design, and then it's nothing. So, I mean, I don't know. That it's I feel weird about it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, now that you say that, the Albi stuff doesn't come back at all, kind of. This was it. Like, the like it's whole reference. Two sides yeah, of yeah, the Yeah, the whole, like, yeah, yeah, like, the whole, like, we've met since childhood, and what are we really... Or- you know, before before we knew about our differences, we were the same, all this kind of stuff. They just threw all that shit out the window. Because it was like, it seemed like, you know, one is justice, one is doom, two sides of the coin. But they dropped that. They kind of lost that whole <clears throat> plot there. And just and I don't think I don't think Luther wins because Doom is stronger than Justice. I think Luther wins in this instance right now because he was always confident in his role. Uh, Manhunter was doubting himself at ed- literally every turn, every issue. He's like, I don't know if this is the right thing that we're supposed to be doing. And I think that's that's what Luther was trying to impart into Brainiac is like it's not about having the the most plans. It's about having the most faith. And what you're doing is right, which is weird to, for a villain to say, but it works for this whole thing here. Um, this this next one I know is one of your favorites because it is a Jaro issue. Yes. Yes. Um, it I this is the this is the quickest way to sum, summarize it because it's kind of all in heads. But the next uh, issue opens up with Jaro in full Robin gear, spying on the Legion of Doom. He attacks them for the League, but is seemingly unmatched when the Justice League comes to help. Unfortunately, Luther uses his Orb of Doom to release Perpetua, and she turns the Justice League into Martian-human hybrids. All of this is revealed to be a hallucination started by Jaro, who has mind-controlled the Justice League in efforts of sending them to his home planet to hide from the war. Jaro thinks this is best, but Batman reminds him that he is a symbol of the League, something that started bad but can be turned good. Jaro releases his hold over the League, but it proves to be enough as it is revealed that Luther had a fragment of the original Starro and has hijacked the League's plan right out of their heads. Um, this was a heartbreaking uh, <laughs> issue where we see Jaro truly try to, you know, he we saw him prior having like a daydream of him being Robin to Batman's Batman. Um, and now this this... I thought he was just going on a suicide mission. I thought he was going to die. But ultimately, he was just trying to create a... um, What, what would you say? A, a hallucination that the Justice League would be down he, with? He just wanted to keep them alive <clears throat> at the end of the day. <laughs> That's all it really was. Uh, Batman more than anybody. I thought it was yeah. great to see... His daddy. How Batman felt about Jaro. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and, and I still don't know if it's like Jaro manipulating him, but um, yeah, it was it was a uh, you get this beautiful moment of Batman hugging Sorrow and just kind of letting him know like, well, we'll, we'll it'll be all right. <laughs> and he's like, uh, Superman's like, what are we doing here? I don't understand. And Batman just goes tell him. <laughs> it's simple. We're preparing for war. What the? It's so. Um, it's the cutest thing. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, the, the entire, his plan is maddening. Like, if you look at it on the surface, the idea that they will all be, like, brainwashed and sent to another planet to, to survive this. But that's the only one he knows. That's the only plan he knows. So, you know, to him, uh, it's open and shut. This is exactly what we need to do. This is how everyone lives. 
But what's interesting is we're back around again to the same situation with the sixth dimension where what's uh, what is defined as justice seems to be allowing people to make the choice, good or bad. And it's the same situation here where it's like they can they can be saved, but then they will be robbed of their choice. They'll be robbed of their freedom. Um, and that seems to be more evil than anything. That seems to be a recurring message in this book that even though people do choose to be shitty, you still have to allow them that choice. You still have to give them that opportunity, that that option, and hope, you know, cross your fingers that they choose correctly. Uh, okay. What do you think about the um, Starro origin? Would you call it? Yeah, I guess you can call it that. <clears throat> I thought that design was sick. Yeah. Him on the throne. Yeah. That was awesome. Starro the Conqueror. Star of the Conqueror. And yeah, it's pretty cool to see Taro get tied back into the Justice League in this way and just kind of it's cool to see them make you feel for Jaro. For Jaro. Lucas, I guess we could consider him a separate character from Starro. I do. I do. He's completely um, different attitude and everything. Uh, what I dug is that, and this happens sometimes in the New 52, like I remember when I was reading Forever Evil and we get Bizarro. But it's not Bizarro, it's B0. B0. <laughs> right, and this was like the same one where it's like Planet O, and so this is just Star O, you know, like all with the O with the line through it. Like, I like those little things like, oh, there's a reason why they had that name. It's 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 a part of something, you know, it means something. Yeah, uh, more. yeah. Um, I thought that was really cool. And again, with Luther having a piece of the original Starro, one step ahead, again, like, like he's just... He's on point. He knows he's driven and he he's uh there's nothing is standing in his way. Starman and the Justice League call all the known heroes into the Hall of Justice, where he tells them uh the end that he saw, where Luther unlocks Perpetua and destroys the world and the league as they know it. This future that he saw is real and will occur in two days, so no pressure. In hopes of stopping it, the League deputizes every hero there, making them a leaguer. Making my boy Damian Wayne a Justice Leaguer. That just sounds great. Uh, now that Luther is physically changed, his body is able to harness each dark energy. Starman, using a piece of the totality in his cosmic staff, says that he can locate more fragments uh, and they can make their own Justice totality to battle Luther's. But there's one issue. The fragments are at different points in time. So they will split up the core Justice League, open gateways, and try to find them. Kendra has doubts, but Superman asks her to stick with the team uh, as a nefarious onlooker watches. Perpetua explains the Doom symbol to Lex, um, who she has been most impressed eh, most impressed with. And I, and I liked this description. She says that while the Justice League symbol seems to point upwards into possibility, she doesn't see it as possibility. She sees it as pointing upwards into nothing. Like, where, where is it going? You know, those lines. When you look at the Hall of Justice, those towers go up. So it's like, what are they reaching for? And in actuality, you're reaching for possibility. You're reaching to be better than what you are. And it is unknown, but you're reaching upwards. Uh, where the doom symbol reaches downwards into the base uh, evil and the base evil instincts of your life. Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. 
I guess, you know, Snyder be on it sometimes. I don't know. You know, controversial opinion. Uh, but uh, as a Justice League get ready to search for fragments, they walk through their portals, but something is wrong. Turns out the mass onlooker from before infiltrated the Hall of Justice and sabotaged the machines, managing to escape before he's captured. Green Lantern and Flash arrive in the past, which is controlled by Doom, and they encounter the Justice Society of America. Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman arrive in the future, which is controlled by uh, Doom and Brainiac and are saved by Commandy and his anthropomorphic tigers. What to give me a little bit of background on Commandy because they always seem to want to put him in these in these things. Is he like the like one of those uh, uh, Flash Gordon kind of OG serial DC yeah. comic characters? Basically, he was definitely one of the old serial characters back then. His future is a, a world post human world, if you will. Okay. Nowadays, the way he's used is like this you show up in these ultra future stories, or there was a miniseries recently where every issue, the right, there was a different writer for every issue, and they would kill him. And then the next oh writer God. had to <laughs> find a way. To write him out of that death, no matter how messed up it was. That's crazy. <laughs> so that's where we are with him right now. <laughs> that's a pretty, it's a pretty cool creative exercise, though. Uh, yeah, I, I can imagine. Uh, it sounds very... I mean, it did not work for Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, you're right. You're right. Um, so the... Okay, so I, I love this story for how far-reaching it is. All, all across the multiverse, all across time. I just, at the time, Doomsday Clock was going on. And right. the JSA return was kind of supposed to be in Doomsday Clock, so they felt like this pulled the rug out from under it. And this was like the real moment where you knew, like, oh, man, it looks like they're trying to remove it from continuity. Of course, good old Snyder would try his best to bring it back in. But, um... It's still as cool as this moment was. Me personally, I had the air sucked out of me because of that. And me, me, I was weary for other reasons because often in my comic book, you know, journeys when I read these, um, when I try to binge these uh, runs, we always go into a, a plot in which they go time travel. Always <laughs> to some time that doesn't mean anything where nothing happens. Uh, so that's what I was fearing more. It was like this is what happened. This is the world of doom, and this is just make sure you don't you don't do anything to cause the world to doom. And I'm like, let's move this along. You know, like what's the next step? There I is. More. I was I was wrong. There is actual story to be told here, but I was getting antsy because of stories that I've read before, where um, Carol Danvers is going to help women during World War One or something. You know. I was going to say I do see now though that it's not really just time travel. You know, it's like a. Hyper time, you know, so it's yeah. not necessarily. Especially, I know, especially with uh, Brainiac, right? Like it's those, those, he, he's, as we find out later on, he's captured uh, a bunch of different futures in hyper, in, in hyper time, potential pocket futures, which I don't think has ever been done before. But Perpetua gives him the technology that he can, he can trap them in these little bottles, which I thought that was pretty interesting. It's like, oh yeah, you know, I have every available outcome of the fight in these bottles. <laughs> like that's pretty badass. They, yeah, they were ultra prepared, especially the, prepared. that. That's a very interesting way of using hyper time because that's 
that technically within the context of the way they've explained hypertime, that should be possible. <laughs> yeah, it's time. Ta- you know, oh my god, I was gonna say it's time in a bottle. Oh no! Stop, <laughs> stop right there! Stop right there! <laughs> oh dear. Uh, I where were we? Time in a bottle. Time in a bottle. I think we're still here. So. Lex and Perpetua set out to find and corrupt the anti-monitor. At the... Oh, this is what I need to know from you. What the hell is the Godhead? What is that? That's like a ship? The Godhead? The ship that they're on? Yeah. I mean, there was a thing called... God. There was a story called Godhead where there were like green... Where all the lantern rings were trying to be used alongside a mother box. But I, I, I don't know if this is related... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they just they show the ship and they name drop it, and I'm like, am I supposed to know what that is? The Godhead. This is the I, Godhead. Oh, look, it's the Godhead, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, again, uh, yeah, uh, the only reference I have is that Green Lantern New Gods crossover story. Where yeah, I when could... I looked it up, that's what I saw. I saw a mother box glowing with the different colors of the Green Lantern course, and I was like, this isn't. This is not the same thing. <laughs> It's not the same thing at all. It basically... No. <laughs> that was weird. It could uh, be made from the life equation, I guess. Not, you know, reverse of anti-life. But I don't know. Again, strange. Yeah, they also don't show it. They just end up at the edge of the universe. Like, last we saw Luther was on Earth, and then they just kind of get there. I guess using the Godhead ship, but... Um, at the Hall of Justice, Starman reveals the next step of his plan. Once the League returns with the fragments, the Forger and the Monitor will build a ship that will take them and the fragments to the Anti-Monitor. Once they convince him to join their cause, the Three Sons will build a weapon capable of trapping Perpetua once and for all. Kendra correctly deduces that Lex has been a step ahead at every turn and sees killing him as the only way. Shane reasons that because he has a link to his parents, Maybe he still has a link to John, and they can use that to track Luther down. Mera says Kendra wants revenge, not justice. Sandman, Starman, Hawkman, Wildcat, Adam, Green Lantern, Hourman, and Dr. Fate introduce themselves as a Justice Society to the Justice League and agree to help them as the Legion of Doom has uh, been after their Starman, hoping to get the fragments from his cosmic rod, which are currently at a military base in the Pacific. In the future, Brainiac's robots have taken over the world, and it is revealed that Brainiac not only bottles worlds, but pockets of hypertime, as the future that they are currently in is in possession of Brainiac himself. With the ship ready, Kendra, Mira, Starman, the two brothers, and Shane venture to find the Anti-Monitor. Shane is able to track Luther and sees him and Perpetua are already there. Uh, this is I, this is when I was like, oh, oh wow! So Flash and Green Lantern arrive on the military base alongside the JSA, only to find out that they've arrived at Pearl Harbor on the day that the base was attacked. I was like, oh man! Uh, the Justice League find out that the place they are looking for is in another bottle on Brainiac's ship. So using the ship that they use to travel inside Superman's body, they fly out of their own bottle and land in another pocket of hypertime where they are confronted by the Justice Legion A, controlled by Brainiac. Um, in the past, Legion of Doom prepares to help bomb Pearl Harbor as Luther and Perpetua watch and laugh. At the end of the universe, the Anti-Monitor talks to, with his spy, 
the man who sabotages the league's mission, and it is revealed to be Aquaman who pledges allegiance to Mobius. Uh, how do you feel about Aquaman being the third man? It, you knew it was coming. You knew something. You knew you you kind of forget about it by now, but it, 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 it's uh, you, you, there's Aquaman. We brought him back. Yeehaw. But it was the, what, what's the connection though? Do you know what the connection is? Like, I know he explains why he did it, but why did like him sabotaging the the machines did what? So I don't know. Ow. Again, I'm kind of reliving this story alongside you. I remember that Aquaman was taken away from our from our, I guess, reality and given this side mission so you know and he left the message on corn don't follow me or whatever but i don't remember what it was he was doing other than uh recruiting the anti-monitor right and ultimately he's gonna end up helping the league so i don't understand why he messed up the the machines (laughs) it was weird I have to get. Uh, I guess we'll figure it out as we go along here. Yeah. Um, at the Promethean Galaxy, the Thanagarian fleet, led by Shara Hall, tries to attack Luther and his ship to no avail. They send a warning to the Justice League that Luther is unstoppable, and Lex amplifies the signal because Lex is a dick. Uh, Lex communicates with the Legion, who are doubtful of Perpetua's partnership when all is said and done, and even Brainiac shows doubt. But Luther remains loyal and tells him to follow orders. Lex goes to see Perpetua, who assures him that all is going according to plan. The Justice League, oh, sorry, the Justice Society of America do their best to help with the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Okay. Do their best to help during the bombing of Pearl yeah. Harbor. Yeah, that's much better. <laughs> I was looking at that sentence like, wait, what? <laughs> JSA do their best to help. Uh, during the bombing of Pearl Harbor. And in the future, Wonder Woman uses the Lasso of Truth to break Brainiac's control over the Justice Legion. They are sworn by Brainiac bots and join forces. After they defeat them, our man confesses to have the missing piece uh, of the totality hidden inside of him. When he retrieves it, a hologram of Brainiac appears, boasting to have amassed the technological advancements of hundreds of pocket universe futures. Suddenly, a huge Brainiac bot being piloted by an upgraded Brainiac appears, calling itself Brainiac 1 million. Meanwhile, in the past, the Justice Society of America, Flash, and uh, John Stewart collide with the Legion of Doom as they both reach the fragment of the totality at the same time. Suddenly, Aquaman shows up and saves the day, saying he is needed if they wish to turn the tide or they will lose the war, even with the totality. The issue ends with Perpetua and Lex meeting with the Anti-Monitor, who seems to want to join their cause. Instead, it is revealed uh, that he is on the good side as he is flanked by his brothers, Hawkgirl, and Starman as they go into attack mode. Were you surprised that the Anti-Monitor was on the good side this entire time? Uh, no. Not really. I kind of... They teased it early on. You know, we gotta get the three brothers together or whatever. So, it, it had to happen. Um, which which part of the Justice League story were you more interested in, the future or the past? Uh, it was awesome to see uh, Barry and Jay 
side by side and all the Green Lantern and, and yeah and, and that that uh the Green Lanterns alongside each other just uh so seeing the the past was probably more interesting but uh, I also thought it was cool to see the Justice League one million and Howard Porter on the art just kind of feels appropriate. I feel like um with the JSA like they what they're doing is they're like those guys are very, like some of them are not as much as powerful as guys that are on the Justice League but their um, conviction is strong as hell. They come from a they come from a time where you had to be sure of yourself and yeah. so like I I don't know if it it happens in this issue but in one of the issues John Stewart's having some real doubt issues about faith and and doom and justice and Alan Scott's able to basically you know convince him that what he's doing is the right thing um and i like that 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 past was able to be the uh backbone for the justice league moving forward it would have been cool for superman to meet some of them but i i totally get the uh you know the issue uh oh yes oh no that's the next one okay as Shane tries desperately to get in contact with his father, Martian Manhunter, the brothers three using Starman's power unite and become I the Ultra it. Monitor. Bum, bum, um, in the past, Aquaman explains that the Anti-Monitor saved his life after he sacrificed it to the Death Kraken. He knew Perpetual would send people to get the pieces of the totality, so he asked him, he tasked him with finding it first. He knew, oh, sorry, uh, in the future, Brainiac 1 million has a defense protocol for every leaguer, and things seem bleak. Back at the Promethean Galaxy, the Ultra Monitor faces off against his mother, Perpetua, as Kendra takes on Lex. Um, Luther is able to goad Hawkgirl into prematurely powering up her wings. The Ultra Monitor recognizes the power coming off her wings as the same power sent by the judges of the source to trap Perpetua. In the past, it's shown that in Atlantis, the Legion of Doom has control over Poseidon and has been making him use the waters to attack the heroes, hoping to find Arian's conch. We also see that Vandal Savage and his Legionnaires Club rule Atlantis. In a last act of desperation, Commandy in the future enlists the help of various Justice Leagues to join the fight. Man, seeing here the Justice League of Earth, uh, what is that, Earth 52? That's basically the animated universe. I was like, what the f- This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You got a Time Lord in there too, right? Don't you? Or a Justice Lord? Is that what Justice they're called? Lord. The Justice uh, Lords? That's right. Yeah, they are. But uh, I, I, I didn't know if we get to see them here though. Yeah. Um. How did Command you get in contact with these people? Is he not traveling through Starman's uh, multiverse stuff, or uh, I'm not sure. Nah, he's in the future. He, he's in the future. He was in the future fighting with everybody with, with Brainiac and all of them, and then and then he saw the Brainiac basically screwing up the Justice League, and so he runs away. I guess I to go get him. I don't bottle. know how he. Oh, that's an interesting. I guess that's, that's a, that is idea. That's the because that's the way they got from his future to Justice League One Million. Yeah. So now I would assume he's jumping from bottle to bottle. Oh, that makes sense. And they just load up the ship and then come in with the reinforcements. Ah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, at the behest of Cheetah, 
Poseidon attacks Atlantis in 1941, while the heroes try to convince Vandal to join their side. Vandal is hesitant, but after an impassioned plea by Jon Stewart, agrees to help. In the future, Brainiac 1 million gloats over defeating the Justice League when the united force of multiple leagues, led by Commandy, comes charging into battle. Kendra is still going one-on-one with Luther, whose new Martian physiology makes him more dangerous than ever. At the Promethean Galaxy, Will Payton reminds Kendra that they need the power of her wings at just the right time, so when the fragments arrive, the Ultra Monitor can use the combined powers to trap Perpetua. In the past, the heroes fend off against uh, the Legion of Doom as Vandal uses the conch and the past Starman's rods to contact the various Starman across the multiverse who are all linked now. Using their combined cosmic power, they're able to create rifts for the core Justice League to arrive at the Hall of Justice with the fragments. Instead of helping him, Kendra uh, takes this moment to try to kill Luther, who dodges and stabs her through the shoulder. There's a lot of stabs through the shoulder in this uh, in this comic. <laughs> Earlier, remember Lex gets stabbed through the shoulder the same kind of way. Like he goes to go right. touch the totality or something, and he gets stabbed through the shoulder. Later on, Wonder Woman like chops him through the through the body, through the from the shoulder, and he just uh, regenerates. And I'm like, he just really like stabbing people in the shoulder. Um. So where where she gets stabbed at? Yeah, this interruption causes a disruption am- amongst the starmen. Payton feels a disturbance in the force, and it is revealed the world has sided with Doom, and Perpetua has been freed. In a show of might, she kills Starman and changes the ulti. The Ultra Monitor into the Anti Monitor of old, while the Doom Sigil burns in the sky. At the hall, things look bleak and grim as it is deduced that Will Payton is dead and they are even further from stopping Perpetua. The Doom Sigil is also seen all over the multiverse, let alone the world, as the feeling of Doom takes over. And, oh, and I like the little, um, I like uh, Barbados being like, Perpetua, <laughs> I know oh. her. <laughs> I thought this was awesome. This was so awesome. Just such a like I'm totally down. <laughs> Free the, me, please. I'm totally <laughs> down for this. That whole issue was awesome, though. Like, uh, just that uh, that page where Commandi dr- drops by with Justice League members from all over the multiverse. That was a beautiful yeah. page, man. I've just saved that. Looking at that, man, yeah. that is gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, I love I love that you can tell, and I think Snyder had said something about this, but you can tell he had been watching anime. You he said right, 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 right. While he's watching Justice League, he had, while he's writing Justice League, he had mentioned that his son had gotten him in the My Hero Academia, and then he started kind of exploring the anime genre. And you can tell because this stuff feels like it's straight out of a, a freaking anime with the fusion and the large scale battles yeah, and. and- Universe. And, the, and the, uh, yeah, the universal power, like the universal energy, like it's, it's, give me your energy kind of vibes, you know, yeah. we have uh, with like, like try to turn everyone towards justice. If everyone just puts their hands in the air and believes in justice, uh, the energies will, will work themselves out. I can see it. Yeah. I can see a lot of anime influence in all this. Um, so, yeah, it's about a wrap because um, they lost. Yeah, they lost. <laughs> Did I? Wait. The Earth yeah, has- yeah, yeah, yeah. This is when yeah, because she uh, in another show of strength, she just destroys the Gotham by Gaslight universe. <laughs> 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 just cause she just destroys it, 
they take like a, they take like a couple pages to show her destroy it, like panel by panel. And then right after that, they just show her destroying other worlds willy-nilly. Just other worlds just blowing up in the background. Um, she tells Luther his role is to raise her army of survivalists and be ready for when the judges of the source come for her so they can serve as her army. Uh, hor- there's, nothing, there's nothing more defensive. There's nothing more proving you know what you're doing is fucked up than when you're buying a gun to make sure that no one... <laughs> and no one... Try to punish you for what you're doing. <laughs> like, he's like, "Oh, I'm not doing anything wrong." But by the way, in case they come, I need an army of people to kill them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah. You just make, just making sure, right? All right, fine. Um, and you know, let's talk a little bit about that because her whole deal is that, um, and I think that th- there's uh, a bit of ethics, science, um, evolutionary biology, and all this. But her deal is that life and the world should be about survival of the fittest. If you're the strongest and you're the smartest and you're the most able, then you should be the leader and you should be almost allowed to live. And everybody else who is weaker, smaller, um, and less capable should fall by the wayside. Uh, That's definitely a theory. And that's definitely a theory that many people have, right? Like the, you know, survival of the fittest, uh, killer be killed kind of stuff. But I think what they're trying to express with Doom is that ultimately it's not about any one of us being the apex predator or the most powerful or the most, uh, you know, survival minded, but that we need each other. We need even the weaker, even the weaker versions of ourselves, even the weaker members of society. We all together, you know, like like a true civilization is the stronger people also helping the weak, not just existing to be the strongest. And I, that, at least that's what I got from all this is this idea that um, while Lex and Perpetua are looking out for themselves because it's all about who lasts at the end of the day, the Justice League is about um, it doesn't matter if we last, if we surrender our what we believe in, which is teamwork and believing in each other. And, no, you know, the same thing with Cap about like no trading lives and kind of stuff. Yeah. So I was I I thought that was real that that's like a real cool message because ultimately that says a lot about I mean not to get political but like America <laughs> right like it's like it, 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 um going around and and bullying other people don't show doesn't show that you're strong the true measure of strength is the vulnerability you're able to show with weaker people and um Perpetua and Lex have no time for weakness. Uh, we'll see how Perpetua deals with the Legion of Doom in a bit, but you know, like they have no, like if you're not if you're not for the cause, they don't got no time for you. Um, and, uh, yeah, and th- and um, that doesn't that doesn't move a, a society forward. That just creates a dog eat dog. Is that that is the term, right? Dog eat dog. Yeah, the dogs out there eating dogs. Do- I mean, when they're hungry. <laughs> okay, like starving, right? Yeah, well, they've got to be starving, and then at that point, they'd eat anything. Son of a... Oh, my God. Doggy dog. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, so I, I, I like that idea because I do believe as a society, it's not always about being the biggest and the strongest. We're constantly talking about, like, being the strongest co- country in the world, but if we can't then help the, the weakest of the world, then what are we? We're just a bunch of apex predators. Um, and no one wants to be that. 
Things look desperate, so the trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman take a moment to think before trying to inspire the rest of the heroes to continue to fight. The Legion of Doom... Um, wait, did I just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I say, did I say the part about uh, Luther getting all the powers? Perpetual strikes... Oh, that um, is happening right now. So yeah, Hulker of Morris... Hawk yeah, offers remorse for her messing up the plan, but Shane gives her a pep talk. They go to return to Earth, but Perpetua strikes down the ship before telling Luther that she will give him the power to destroy the entire Justice League on his own. Um, things look desperate, so the Trinity of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman take a moment to think about things uh, before trying to ins- inspire the rest of the heroes to continue the fight. I thought that was a great moment, too. The, uh, which God are we praying to? None. None. <laughs> yeah. Um, and for Diana to be the one to be like, come on, guys, you know, let's do this. <laughs> but Batman is out of his element. And this goes back to um, him getting all his bones broken. This goes back to, um, uh, you know, the, the little prank that he pulled with Clark of trying to keep him on the ball or keep him focused. Like you could tell, like he just doesn't have the answer. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not working. He doesn't have the answer. And what's gotta be more disheartening is he this is a man who spent his entire life believing in the benefit of the doubt and believing in justice. And he doesn't have the tools, the 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 equipment that he that would normally aid him so much in crime fighting. There's nothing he has in his arsenal that can help in this situation. So you could just see like a defeated Bruce Wayne and and even Superman, there's nothing to punch, right? He can't punch Perpetua. So it's like that they really are at a loss, and Wonder Woman, who is somebody who is no stranger to war, I think is the level-headed one to be like, we need to take our moment, take our breaths, and then go out there and encourage them. Which that was really cool. They, they, I, I like that. While then all the our heroes are vulnerable, um, it's really cool to see certain, like the Trinity themselves, show a different level of vulnerability um, to each other because they know each other for so long. Uh, so the godhead the legion of doom await their reward for working with luther but instead perpetua makes brainiac into a throne (laughs) i remember you showing that picture the first time you saw that what did you think oh (laughs) what that was so messed up okay first we took the whole (laughs) legion of doom and did the whole again it's another thing where we we built we built the whole Legion of Doom and everything, and it turns out you're all just nothing. Tossed to the side. Yeah. You're uh, pretty cool though. And uh, all the energies, the seven energies, you guys were all just representative of that. We all give it to Luthor. I thought that was pretty cool. But, yeah, and the uh, idea, you know, and you, you know, they say it, but the idea is that Lex, no one could hold all seven until Lex became this hybrid version and thus he needed other people to be able to wield them and get them closer to unlocking perpetua what's heartbreaking is like i said only issues prior were they like are you sure she's gonna help us and he's like come on man you just gotta have blind faith so when all this goes down they're looking at him like you mother and uh yeah it also it also alludes to that future where the Legion of Doom helps the Justice League out, and it's like, oh, Lex is about to do some things that we're not we're not even down with. So you know, um, it shows how depraved this gets. But 
yeah, you see him. She, she turns Brainiac into a throne uh, and traps and drains the other Legion of Doom members for their hidden forces. Luther seems appalled until it is revealed that Perpetua is doing this to gift Lex all of the hidden powers to wield for himself. As they prepare for war, the Trinity gives a speech about not giving up in the face of doom. Like an attack dog, the anti-monitor is hot on Hawkgirl's trail, I put trial, and seems to have her caught, but Barry is hoping to use his speedster car to send Jon Stewart to retrieve her. The war is set to take place right in front of the Hall of Justice uh, with the literal HQ of the Legion of Doom serving as an airship of sorts and surrounded by millions of air, eh, apex predators. That's just that's just an insane visual. Like I just want to set the scene for a second here because this is it's 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 this is the big climax of the entire run. This yes. is it. This is the moment that everything has been building towards. It's the justice. The yeah. This is justice versus doom. It is <laughs> the freaking Legion of Doom uh, headquarters is a spaceship. Like uh, a giant evil spaceship with robot legs, and it's like, all right, everybody, get into position. And Batman and and this mega Justice League with members from all over the multiverse are rushing out of a Hall of Justice as Batman turns the Hall of Justice into a flying spaceship itself. Yes, he does. Again, the Legion of Doom spaceship. Like this, this is insane. Yeah, and there's you know you have hordes of unfeeling, remorseless apex predators on the side of the Legion of Doom, and on the other side you have heroes from all over the multiverse, literally the might of the multiverse, um, and the Justice League. In many times, and that even when he, they were talking about you know trying to get the forgers, I mean the other brothers on their side, there's been many talks of like we don't know if this is gonna work. Like we don't know, but we're just going to try our our damnedest because what else what else is there to do? Um, whereas Lex is so sure about his plan, which I think it's it's kind of makes you sympathize with the Justice League in the sense that they know they're outgunned, but they're just going to try their best anyway, and that they're doing this without key members because the key members are in the past and the future. Oh no! Well, the Kendra is is uh, at least at the end of the galaxy, which she seems to be the missing piece in all this. I do. I did have one small complaint, and it's that I wish that the Doom side of things wasn't just a bunch of uh, faceless. Chitauri. It wasn't just Chita- yeah, the Chitauri army. You know, <laughs> I kind of wish it would have been like villains collected from around the multiverse. Oh, the just, dark multiverse, right? But well, the dark multiverse. Yeah. Which I guess you're saving the dark multiverse for death metal or whatever. I don't know, but I at least just to kind of just to equal the other side, you know, like uh, one side we've got a Justice League from across the multiverse in time. Then why would not we have a Doom side with members of a uh, with all villains from all types of time and space? But again, it's still very cool. Yeah, it's all, it's 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 an amazing visual, but like you said, there is some holes in it because ultimately there is definitely some stakes when you see those apex predators fighting off against, let's say, a Black Canary, a Green Arrow, a Damian Wayne. But if they're fighting off against ten Supermen, you know, tides are a little bit changed there in that instance. But um, I can I I I totally get it. Uh, yeah, well, Batman just had that thing ready, just had the the spaceship. 
Hall of Justice ready? Or did he know that the Legion of Doom was thinking something similar? Well, he built, he had, the, I, I doubt that he knew the Legion of Doom was building something similar. I think that that was just the protocol. Yeah. Fly out, fly out to the moon in case anything got, got crazy. Um, the war has begun outside the Hall of Justice, but inside, the Justice League hopes to connect to the citizens of the world and turn them towards justice. They also hope to use, they also hope to use their combined energies to make the totality whole. But without Kendra and Shane, there's no chance. Back with Hawkgirl, the Anti Monitor has her cornered and wants to rip her wings off to cut off her connection to the totality. As he goes to deliver the death blow to Shane and Kendra. John Stewart in the Flashmobile enters the fray and smashes right into him. The impact causes the Brothers Three to regain their singular forms as Mobius cries out for his mother's help. This is madness. This is the part of the comic where I was like, oh, oh, so she's like that? <laughs> she helps the best way she can by taking Earth-44 and throwing it at Kendra and the World Forger. And then she just grabbed the Earth. And through it, just an entire planet. <laughs> Again, this is Snyder's watching anime, like uh, Gary Lyon, <laughs> and just, and watching like the heat, the heat burn up the citizens of the planet as it's hurling towards um her sons is oh my god bonkers. I was like, <laughs> we're at these levels of cosmic power here, like we're just gonna throw a planet, like uh you know he threw a moon at me, um. So, yeah, so she throws it. Uh, the World Forger sees this as an opportunity. If he can hit the planet with his hammer, he can generate enough energy to send the heroes back to Earth, although he'll be sacrificing himself by doing so. There's a lot of sacrifices in this. Uh, the war wages on, and Lex's army seems to outnumber the heroes on the ground. Luther is relentless with his attack on the Hall of Justice, but suddenly a light shoots out from the Justice League headquarters. Suddenly, the Doom Signal... Sigil in the, in the sky starts to fade as the Justice League now have Shane and Kendra in their ranks, completing the seven harmonious energies needed to combat Perpetua. They step out of the hall, glowing with the totality uh, in tow. Really nice uh, last page image of them glowing and stuff. I thought that was really cool. That was a beautiful uh, image, actually. I uh, I think I like posted a picture of it on my Instagram. I was so I was so happy with it because it, 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 the way it glows, it's even on page. Like I was reading this physically, and it's gorgeous. I was gonna ask. You think that that medal's coming back? Uh, tenth, tenth, medal? tenth medal. I don't think it's going anywhere. Really, I think it's just waiting for someone else to use it. Because that was like another time. Remember when they all came out of that thing with glowing? Like that reminded mm-hmm. me of that. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I like, and I, I didn't go into great detail um, in my notes, but I like the idea, like continuing the idea of vibrations and harmonies and music um, with the DC continuity and the, the, the layout of the DC multiverse being that um, they are seven harmonious and seven kind of deviant forces, which again, um, they, they get more uh, described in death metal. As to being from certain, you know, of certain kinds, uh, two sides of the same coin, these these forces, and the idea that they're they're what string each other up, and so Perpetua creates this Earth, 
with what she believes to be the instinctual forces of the world, which are all these bad things. And then they trap her and they restring the world like a guitar with the right um, stuff. But she believes in her heart of hearts that it's always going to go towards doom. Um, and they're they're fighting their instincts almost, uh, which is what we do, I feel like. I feel like for the most part, humans are animals. And so it should all just be give me, give me, give me and survival of myself. But we look past our base instincts to become better versions of ourselves. And I think that's what the League was looking for uh, for Earth. Uh, 100% yeah. although, but she does have a point if she created the earth to be one way I, I don't even know if it's a question anymore as much as it really is that yeah Um. and the, the bigger issue is that they, they didn't say it plainly but it's this idea that her kind after creating a multiverse either dies or moves on like ceases to exist I think like they cease to exist because she's fighting it so hard Right, so that's big, That's her biggest thing is that she's finished, but she don't want to go. <laughs> so she's so she's like making friends with people. So when the bouncer shows up, they could all fight the bouncer. Like when, like she just she's just not trying to bounce right now, which I thought was pretty funny. Cosmic being just not wanting to get out the club. <laughs> um. Soon the sigil of justice lights up the sky, and Lex is pissed. He demands his army to part the crowd as he handles the league one by one. For Jon Stewart, he uses the invisible emotional spectrum to recreate every construct Jon has ever created as a Green Lantern and drops it on him. I was like, damn. Uh, For Flash, he uses the harnessed steel force to turn him into an old man. Sorry. Uh, Things look optimistic when Diana is able to slice him down the shoulder, but he regenerates and hits her with a blast of cosmic power. Jaro and Bats double team Luther, who grabs Bruce and uses his tongue to slice Jaro. He taunts the Dark Knight, but is punched by Superman, who is letting Batman distract Lex. Finally, able to fight each other without holding back, the old rivals go at it. You know, Superman was loving that. Oh, he's gonna <laughs> punch him right in his face. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Miss Martian and Shane are using their telepathic powers to send messages of encouragement to the citizens of Earth, hoping they side with justice over doom. Superman and Lex are in a slugfest when Lex hears another voice in his head. That distraction gives the Trinity, Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman, time to triple punch Lex in the face. The sigil starts to turn away from doom, but Perpetua shows up and traps the League in an energy bubble. It's cuts off the psychic connection, so Shane tries his, to repair it, but is struck down by Luther. Kendra, enraged, comes to her son, uh, son's aid, and Shane, once he regains consciousness, uses his abilities to enter Lex's mind. Once there, he switches places with Martian Manhunter, who is trapped in Lex's headspace, and the effects cause Shane to be absorbed by Lex, freeing the Martian Manhunter, who is pissed off. As John stands there crackling with energy, he declares that it's time for justice. That was another really badass panel. Yeah, that was a whole page. Yeah, which I was like, which, which again, to me, just uh, reiterates this idea that he is the main character of the story. You know, usually in manga uh, form, we're waiting for Superman to get up and do something or uh, uh, Goku's gonna finish running down Snake Way. He'll get here eventually, you know. But in this, it was Manhunter. 
And I thought that was pretty cool because, again, uh, the Trinity gets a lot of play. But even in this, they're outmatched. This is very much Manhunter's War. You know, the Apex Predators are half him. Lex is someone he knew since a kid. He understands the um, origins of the universe. Um, this was made for him. This war was made for him. So let me. This will be the final mm-hmm. issue of Justice League. But uh, here we go. Now that John is here, he knows what he has to do. Before Perpetual could take hold of it, he sends his mind through space and time, racing and trying to connect and convince as many minds as he can to believe in the heroes and justice. Tired of its insolence, Perpetual strikes John down as he begs with Earth to be something more than what they are. He gets up and tries again, sending his mind back out, hoping to turn the tide, but it's too late. The doom sigil, with no sign of justice, brightens the sky and Perpetua laughs in victory. She exclaims that she was instrumental in every phase of this plan and needed it to go exactly this way so the heroes could see it wasn't their fault. When left to the choice, Earth chooses doom. Bored of this story between her and the heroes, Perpetua lifts a finger and the heroes disappear as she gloats about starting a brand new story. Somewhere in space, John regains his body after regenerating from a single cell and seems to be alone as he sees the sigil of doom emblazoned on Earth. When he turns around, he sees greeted by the rest of the heroes who are all cloaked in black and were seemingly saved from the destruction by the quintessence. A group no, of more powerful beings. Go ahead. I was going to say one second because I feel like they weren't actually saved. Because yeah, what you, happened? <laughs> so, so they kind of got pulled, kind of out of reality, kind of out of hyper time almost. Where it's like the things like they still exist within that reality down there, but there's a core version of them that's out here right now. Okay. So that that kind of allows for this little because there had been a little. Distrib- messed up continuity issues where, where certain things were in a lot are aligning. So this situation here, where the the doom taking over, kind of splintered hyper time, and all these different events were allowed to happen to these same characters while they're also out here. Okay, so, so that you're saying that you're saying time time continues as as it is, as if they would, as if they never disappeared. Yes. So that allows something like Doomsday Clock to still be happening and to still have consequences on regular continuity, even though we're seeing a main version of these heroes that might not have even taken part in that. Yeah. So that's um, where we are now. What's crazy is that Martian Manhunter is like, I saw all this and I should have told all you guys. Yeah. Like, uh, now it's not the time for this, John. <laughs> like, uh, bro, I saw all of this. I saw all of this. Uh, but yeah, like I said, the quintessence says that they saw it too, and that's uh, Spectre, um, High Father, Phantom Stranger. Is that Shazam? Yes. Uh, who's the woman? I have oh, no man, idea. I thought you were going to tell me. Ganteth. <laughs> Ganteth and Lady Peacock. Um, that's who I'm calling her for right now. I don't need to know who Lady Peacock is. <laughs> <laughs> I 
She she doesn't even say anything though. Like everyone talks, she doesn't say anything. I'm looking around. Uh, and this is what when they talk when they talk they, you know when they talk about Leviathan and all that kind of stuff. Those are th- that stuff is happening in the same universe, uh, overrun by Doom. Yes, all that all these events are happening within that splintered hyper time in that universe overrun by Doom. So that so like the Diana that we see in Death Metal is not the same Diana as the one that's seemingly on this planet. No, no, no. By the time, okay. So I guess I'll take us to the end real quick. Uh, sure, go ahead. The Quintessence kind of yanked the Justice League out of reality, and at this moment, they are like, "What do you guys want?" So uh, the that that's when they're told basically that you know we saved you, we cloaked you in our energy, and uh, you lost. You know that's it. So we're gonna send you back with this new energy that we've given you, and you're gonna try again. So <laughs> that's basically where we are when death metal begins. They've already had that fight and they lost. Right and. The universe, Earth One Prime, the Prime Universe, has been remade entirely. And it's been overrun by dark multiverse creations. So right. uh, so now we have, in Death Metal, a universe, uh, an Earth that does not resemble the main DCU Earth at all, but that is what it is. I thought, though, that was cool that they gave us a quick splash page panel where it's like Leviathan, it's the last panel of Doomsday Clock, it's the it's dinosaur. That's Bizarro, right? Bizarro. Yeah, Bizarro. Dinosaur. <laughs> and then some stuff that happened. And then, and then the worst, no, and then you can say it, single-handedly the worst uh, change ever with the Dark Multiverse, Drake. Yeah. We have Drake. We have Drake there. Freaking Drake in his nasty brown outfit with his nasty (laughs) Young Justice fake Connor Kent. (laughs) That's just just the worst of the worst right there. You know? You got to go back and save this. You got to go back and change it. Snyder was kind enough to weave all these things back into continuity as uh, the Justice League rushes off to to fight with everything because everything matters and we're off to fight one last time for everything. I think the and idea... They say something about time, right? They say something about like um, all the times of ever, like every event ever is going to like factor into this. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. The Phantom Stranger basically says, uh, beware, in opening this door, uh, you will bring everything to bear. So you're you're running into hypertime, running into the multiverse, and you're you're now, I guess, about to remember or everything that's ever happened to you as a character. (laughs) But it all matters. So uh, what is your choice? And, of course, they choose to fight. That's how we're going to fight her. We're going to fight Perpetua by making every life matter, by honoring every story, which is very meta. It's a meta way of Snyder saying, you know, we're going to bring everything back into continuity. We're sorry. The deal's gone now. And, and, you know, another thing to to bring it back to society, um, maybe it's also this idea that, like, it's easy to forget from – it's easy from your last loss to forget all the good you did in the past. 
And maybe if you weighed yourself on all of your entire history and the victories, as opposed to your very last failure, um, you you might win in the end. You know, instead of just being like, oh, I just really, oh, I lost that job. You know, life is over. It's like, yeah, but you got a lot of other jobs in your life and you did a lot of other good things and you're a good person. You know, take those tools with you into the future and uh, fight the good fight. And so the Justice League needs to go back and look at moments in time in which they were able to defeat unsurmountable odds. And maybe enough of that will encourage the world to move towards justice in the idea that they've they've leaned towards justice before and it's been rewarding. So, um, so kind of... Uh kind of stripping away the metaphor and the extra metatextual message that Snyder was clearly trying to uh, convey here. Mm-hmm. What is actually happening is that uh, the quintessence, uh, Dr. Manhattan, you know, obviously came to the prime earth, messed with things, you know, Doomsday Clock happened, and he went off to go exist somewhere else. But in the process of messing with things in our prime DC Earth, he's left some residual energy. While he West mm-hmm. grabs some of it off of the Mobius chair, uh, the 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 uh, the quintessence grabbed. Uh, I want to say the rest of it, and they have it mm-hmm. behind this door, this glowing blue door. So the Justice League runs into this door and that ends the run. But what they're doing is they're running into Dr. Manhattan's energy. And I guess now I understand that their way of seeing everything and knowing everything is being coded by Dr. Manhattan's energy because he can see and know everything. You know, uh, Do you think it's going to be revealed that his that he's like of the same ilk as Perpetua? I, you know what? That would actually be pretty cool. If yeah. that's what it is, that's what ends up getting revealed. But all I know so far is that uh, uh, while if, should we even it, <laughs> all I know so far is that this is what's been confirmed based right. on what's been said in the story. That's how Justice League, the run that we're prepared to talk about, ended. It ended with the League being coded in Dr. Manhattan's energy and running off to a battle that we don't particularly get to see yet. Uh, the, the, the next chapter in this story is Death Metal. And in the beginning of Death Metal, the battle that the League is running to here has already ended. And they lost. Right. But they don't remember the battle at all. So uh, slowly but surely we'll find out exactly what happened. Um, I remember watching Infinity War, you know, that ending happens in Infinity War and you're just like, wow, like we lost. I kind of got a similar feeling in this and very similarly to that as well. After Infinity War, what comes out? Ant-Man and the Wasp. I'm like, what is this in comparison to everything we just saw? And so I ask you, what are issues 40 through 40, whatever, of Justice League after everything we just witnessed? Yeah, issue four. I haven't read past forty-seven. Like I don't understand why they're still. I get. I get that you can't put the Justice League book on hold, but man, if there was ever a time, that's literally it. That's the reason that there are more issues after thirty-nine. You can't put the Justice League book on hold 
but there's no more progression to the story. Um, originally, Snyder's run was going to be 52 issues. I don't know what happened. Okay. But it seems more like they were left unprepared to fill in those blanks. So they just kind of right. got uh, a random uh, writer, whoever we had time to get, to fill in until it was time to do Death Metal and we could tie the book back into there. And then maybe after Death Metal... Put on a main writer who's gonna take the book to its next place or whatever. Where they are up to forty-seven. Forty-seven. Okay. So I, I was gonna say maybe they would have had a time to go like alongside, but no, I think it would have been. Metal's gonna last until the end of summer, ain't it? And metal's gonna be or death uh, metal. Death metal's gonna last until December. December. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. gonna be I'm in. I'm in on that. and all that stuff, but um, should be fun. Should be fun. I'm so down. The, the main, the main thing we're missing from this right now, right, is the how uh, things ended with Lex. Yeah. So I guess the 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 quickest way to get through that is to say that the Joker warned Lex very early on in the Justice League run: business with a Batman who laughs will not end well for you. So of course. The Batman who laughs, as we were told in the beginning of this story, has known about Perpetua and who she is and what yep. she does and why she exists. He's known the whole time. And he's let Lex go through all of this stuff so that he can come in at the end, challenge Lex for his place at Perpetua's side, and win. See, as, as we were talking about this Justice League and as all this stuff was going on, the Batman who laughs secretly infected six members of the DC universe. Uh and the six the six most important ones he could find, bro. Shazam, Supergirl, Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> like Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, I know. It's it, and and, and <laughs> faced faced them off against uh, a group that Lex was able to bring together and Lex Luthor lost. He was stripped of his powers and thrown back to Earth. And he realized he, he's made a mistake. Batman Who Laughs is now at the side of Perpetua with probably all seven force, forces flowing through him rather than yeah. Lex. And she is loved. Like, Perpetua is in awe of Batman Who Laughs. That is her child, you know, um, the twisted. He she she rep he represents everything that she's going for with this whole apex predator thing. Like uh, Joker was always going to be that that person, you know, all pun intended to have the last laugh, and Bruce Wayne was always going to be the person to have the last um, plan. You know, the last uh, he will always plan for everything. So you combine those two, and you have somebody who plans to laugh at the universe. That's that's right up Perpetua's alley with all this. And Luther was basically a pawn and wholeheartedly. And the idea, like when you look back at it, right? You look back at that scene of uh, Batman who last being chained up into the basement of the Legion of Doom. And that's like me saying, that's like me. Um, 100%. I mean, uh, uh, you know, being like, hey, you know, by the way, uh, don't do this. But there's this lady named Perpetua. Don't talk to her, though. Don't unlock her. Whatever you do, bro, don't unlock that girl Perpetua. And that's exactly what he wanted, her to do, wanted him to do. The entire time. Paid him like a fiddle. Well, he is Bruce Wayne. And if anybody can play Lex Luthor, it's going to be Bruce. 
do you think he gets a big, you know, without without spoiling it, do you think Batman and Who Laughs will have a bigger role in, in Death Metal? Uh, ab- I, I, without spoiling it, I will say that Batman Who Laughs is clearly placed in the center of all the events that are going to happen in Death Metal right now. So, like, he's clearly in the center of everything as we begin Death Metal. And the end of Death Metal in your eyes is the end of Perpetual or no? Yeah, um, for now, anyway. Like, her her as a concept, I think she'll always exist because this is not something you can hand-wave away. But uh, I don't think we need to go down this well until they decide it's time for another crisis. Okay. Here's, here's another a crisis story. Well, that's what the last thing I was going to ask you. How do you feel about... Um, Snyder, obviously this is not something that's happening, but this is just something that popped in my head. How do you feel about Snyder potentially going the the metal route instead of Crisis? Um, I mean, I think it turned out it turns out all right. It turned out fine. I didn't have a problem. Can with we, metal, like in like in four years, can we have heavy metal? Or I no? feel. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. I <laughs> you hope it's over. Uh, I feel like if if we could just go if everything from metal. Uh, so metal, no justice, Justice League, uh, Hellerism, and then death metal. That kind of all feels like a crisis, you know. Like there was something yeah. Snyder said in the beginning of the Justice League run before he had actually written all of it, where he was like, "This Justice League book is going to feel like an event book all the way through." And I think yeah. I can agree with that, having read it all now, because the whole thing feels like a crisis. This all feels like a fifty-eight issue crisis event. Right. And it's just crazy because, um, like I said, again, in comparison, like, I don't, I, if you're reading, as I'm reading Justice League book, I'm not trying to read another, uh, another DC hero who's doing like street level work. Like we're talking about six dimensions. We're talking about the end of the earth as we know it. Like those are humongous stakes. So I can't just go back to the regular ham and egger at, at that point. Um, and that's the reason why I haven't gone back to Justice League post this uh, Justice Doom War. Me but either, honestly. I and you don't want me to read Flash Forward. <laughs> the only thing so... you need, the only thing you need to know is that Wally West sat on the Mobius chair and has Doctor Manhattan's powers now. Uh, speaking of which, that leaves just one with with us doing Flash Flash War. Which uh, explained how the the uh, force wall, the other wall, got destroyed. Um, that just leaves us one thing left, Yogi. We got one thing left. We have to record uh, Doomsday Clock. Yes, <laughs> that's the last. That's the last. That's the last of it all. Uh, like once we once we cover Doomsday Clock, we literally have a road to um, straight through. To we've done it. We've done it. Everything. We didn't even know what yeah. we were doing in the beginning. We were, we we we, we no. did not know we were leading towards one mega metal story. <laughs> no, and and like I said, you know, in like that that prime time of Marvel Comics for me, um, in the I guess the mid two thousands, where everything just fed into each other, like every event just led yeah. right into each other. I get yeah. that feeling with this, you know, where everything is literally right behind each other. All the all the breadcrumbs and easter eggs are right there and you just it's so easy to flow from um, each point the only part that feels a little bit contrived which you you sussed out was drowned earth 
Yeah. That's the only part that didn't yeah. feel like it had anything to do with everything else. One hundred percent. That was a fuck. That was a that was an executive mandate. We have an Aquaman movie. We need a big Aquaman story. Yeah, poor yeah. Snyder, but he made that work <laughs> and, and he threw away the Aquaman characters as fast as he could. <laughs> yeah, and then he showed back up in like issue thirty-seven of thirty-nine. Yeah, you know, it's like, <laughs> I'm here to help. All right, guy. All right. Um, I really like this run. I I liked it more uh, revisiting it. Um, it was it was a challenge to take the notes on it, but uh, I told you off air. In taking the notes, I now have a bigger understanding of the story and the themes that it was trying to tell. When you're reading issue to issue, um, your perspective is is changed because the way you're taking it in, with, with the way you're taking in the information, you can't take it in all at once. You can't take in all the art, all the exposition, where it sits in the universe, what it means in the future, what it means to issues in the past. You can't take that in all at once. So I like that um, I was able to read it once for enjoyment and then read it the second time, really trying to see what Easter eggs were planted from the beginning. And like I said, you know, the idea that um, Batman Who Laughs would tempt Lex Luthor with unimaginable power, knowing that he wouldn't be able to resist and that in doing so, he could just, you know, rest while Lex unlocks (laughs) a Perpetua. And then just come right underneath and be like, "Oh yeah, no, Lex is trash." You know, I'm the I'm the I'm the real uh, golden son of this. Um, it's 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 astonishing to see. You only get there with real good, meticulous storytelling, and Snyder's up there, right? He's really he's really doing some great things for uh, Justice League and the DC universe. And that's another thing in having the responsibility to do the Justice League book. He's also putting the entire DC U on his back. Which is a great time because everything at an editorial level was so shaky. And Snyder almost brought it upon himself to kind of keep things together towards the end of the run there. Where things really literally like there's an issue. The issue where the doom sigil is across the entire sky and everyone everywhere is supposed to see that that was a thing that spread into other books and the other continuity in other books was so was so estranged that sometimes it didn't make sense for the signal to be in the sky at the time that it did so this was this was like stuff that was bad and snyder is trying to keep it together and i feel like coming out of the other side of metal whatever the dc universe is it would have been a complete product of snyder's uh creativity so kudos to him and here's the hoping that they kind of leave him in charge. Poor guy probably. I would have been. Inc- I would have been incredibly frustrated, man, because part of what made Crisis work was seeing those red skies in the various other stories, and the idea that some people couldn't be budged to put the the, the Doom sigil because of where they were in their stories is frustrating. It's like this is how we do the you know overarching narrative by having it exist in all stories at one point. But I get that people are in different you know, different parts of the the story that they're trying to tell. And the idea of having to put something shoehorned in from the universe seems a bit gauche. But again, I like when it, they're able to connect those dots and have everybody experience it at the same time. It's it's cool. It's cool to get cameos, but do those things matter? You know, when I go and I read, um, I don't fucking know, uh, Swamp Thing, is he going to say, like, I remember when the Doom Sigil went up in the air? Or is that like a Tuesday for him? You know? So I'm hoping that these things have a, a larger, broader effect, but it looks like uh, metal is next up on the menu. 
So it's uh, easy to say that you that you enjoyed this run of Justice League. I loved it. I loved it, and I think most mostly I I love the banter. I love the back and forth. I love Jaro as a as a character. I love Kendra as a reluctant hero. I love John as a reluctant hero. I love the understatedness of the Trinity. There's various parts where the Trinity has hero shots, you know, where they're all like they're looking cool or they're praying together or they're punching Lex in the face. But they're not the heroes of the story. They are heroes in the story. But no one of them is, you know, the main event of this. And I I think that the DC universe as a whole needs to take a lesson from that. Those are the easiest guys to get over. Those are the easiest guys to make pop. So work on your Kendras, work on your Martian Manhunters. So people want to see those movies or those single issue comics. And then you can lift up your, the clientele of the Justice League one by one instead of just going back to the same well with everything. Um, yeah, 100%. It, 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 takes putting, it takes putting weight behind some of these middle characters, you know? Uh, <laughs> it, it definitely does. Yeah. And Snyder... Apparently, on the other side of metal, you know, he had this idea that he wanted Martian Manhunter, he wanted Hawkgirl, and he wanted, I guess, Sorrow to have this new importance around them. So that's where we are uh, at post-metal and on the other side of Justice League. He's done it. Now, the idea post-death metal is to do the same for Lobo and for a few other characters. And now let's see how that works. Well, I would love to see a, a Lobo tied more into the state of the world. He's kind of immortal, you know? Yeah, 100%. Uh, I want to see how he sticks around in all this. But, um, yeah, man, great, just great work. Uh, again, it, it can be a bit dense, you know, uh, but I think it's all because of because he cares. I think it's because he takes the, the time to make sure that everything checks out. And that kind of quality control, man, that don't happen in comics often. <laughs> Sometimes they're like, what happened in the last? I don't, know, I don't remember. Say it was a dream or something. But um, this they seem to really, really have it. Uh, can you? Uh, I I was gushing about my favorite issue, um, especially twenty five. I I'd love when, um, Batman and Superman are standing there like, oh, um, you know what? Like, come on, man. You know I wasn't, I was on your side and shit. It's like, yeah, I know. And I was like, ah, oh. like it's like so much of I've been seeing so much Batman versus Superman lately. I guess people have been really talking about Snyder and his movies that I forget that they they're really cool friends. Like <laughs> they're really you know, they're really down to earth friends. So do you have a a, a, a panel that that sticks out or, or, or an issue or a storyline? There were too many, especially towards the end. Towards the end, I had a lot of moments. There were a lot of moments. There was the there was Kamandi rushing into action with the multiverse Justice League. There was the Superman Gohan Goku father son moment thing. There was the uh, the final battle with the flying the fall of justice and the flying Legion of Doom and the two armies rushing at each other. There was all the crazy quintessence stuff at the end, which I think even though the run didn't have an actual ending, I was still a fan of the for everything. You know, I liked the whole. I liked so much about this yeah i um i think that's what this is for man especially with the justice league so if you've watched the animated show if you've if you've if you've been a fan of them it's about those moments about those character moments and you need to know those characters to have those character moments so i I, I applaud scott for being able to take a time learn these characters i know he was very much on batman for a very long time so the idea that he would learn the other characters and again 
I would say go so far as to say he kind of kept Batman in the in the in the back burner for these issues. You know, it would have been a really easy thing to do to put him right up front again, bring back the Court of Owls. You know, like do do the greatest hits. Um, but he didn't, and I'm, I'm glad that he didn't because then we get daring things like uh, Death Metal, which we should we should want more creative uh, things from our content producers. <laughs> I think so But as far as content is concerned I think we're done producing this content But we're never done producing content in general Every single episode of the Major Issues Podcast Is available at comicbookclick.com uh, Which is the one stop for all things that we do As far as Comic Book Click is concerned The Major Issues Podcast Major articles written by members of the Click The Shop CBC link Which will take you to our T Public store with one-of-a-kind um, pieces of merchandise designed by us. Um, meet the Click, where you get some uh, backstage info on some of us, and you can actually contact us through that app. So the quickest way to contact us is to go to comicbookclick.com. But if you already have a podcast app and you want to discover more episodes of the Major Issues podcast, just go to wherever podcasts are found, like Podbean, Stitcher, the Podcast uh, Addict, all right. Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Banana Podcast. I'm just making things up at this point. Any podcast app that exists, we're on it. Just search for us. We're on TuneFind. We're on YouTube. We're on Spotify. Um, uh, the quickest way to find us, though, is to go to Google, type in the Major Issues Podcast right into the search bar, and we will be the first ones to pop up because we're always talking about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. If you guys want to reach us, which is part of the reason why we're here, we want to hear from you guys, you can reach us by going to facebook.com slash comic book click, Instagram at comic book click, or using the hashtag uh, comic book click to talk about the newest, hottest, latest, and greatest things to come to comic books and comic book media. We're also at Major Issues CBC on Twitter. All of those links are in the show notes, the description of this episode on whatever app you're looking at. You will have all those links there. Uh, for easy access, but again, most of them are easily found at comicbookcollect.com. The last thing I ask, we will continue to be your shepherds um, so long as you guys can do us a favor and rate and review us on iTunes. It's the quickest way for us to grow as podcasters and find out what you like and what you don't like um, and change accordingly. I've been to the future and I've been to the sixth dimension and I know what we become and it's the literally the latest and greatest thing to come to comic books and comic book media i just can't tell you how we do it because it'll mess up the timeline and then we'll end up with some sort of weird sun with wings and i don't want any of that to happen so just go through your various channels find us on social media find this podcast find comicbookclick.com and uh rate and review us uh and that's about it i think there that's pretty um, much it. i think that's pretty much it next week agent carter next week Oh boy! I've never seen a single episode. So Agent Carter next week. Oh man, that's I, really I go. Cool. Yeah, I go from binging a um, a a comic to a television show. So the medium's going to change. I'm I'm excited about that. And we got some big things we're planning in, behind the stage, uh, behind the stage, behind the scenes here at Comic Book Click. Some very big challenges are ahead, and I hope to share that information with you guys soon. But until then. Make sure you're here every Wednesday for a new episode of the Major Issues Podcast. Um, my name is George Serrano, a.k.a. The Don. This is Jonathan Escudero, a.k.a. Yogi. 
And this has been our road to death metal justice league part two recap and review. And remember whether you were the original abomination that started all this, whether you're just an apex predator thinking about survival of the fittest, whether you know that it takes the true harmonious energies to bring justice, or you're just ready to side with doom. Remember that we are the click and remember you. Yes, you are worthy. <laughs>